want to support the show and get free stuff while you do so, go to patreon.com slash the dolls of horror for more information. Now, to understand it the way I understood it, hearing it from the mother, that is, from the mother half of Norman's mind, you have to go back ten years to the time when Norman murdered his mother and her lover. Now, he was already dangerously disturbed, had been ever since his father died. His mother was a clinging, demanding woman. And for years, the two of them lived as if there was no one else in the world. Then she met a man. And it seemed to Norman that she threw him over for this man. Now, that pushed him over the line, and he killed them both. Matricide is probably the most unbearable crime of all. Most unbearable to the son who commits it. So he had to erase the crime, at least in his own mind. He stole her corpse. A weighted coffin was buried. He hid the body in the fruit cellar. Even treated it to keep it as well as it would keep. And that still wasn't enough. She was there. But she was a corpse. So he began to think and speak for her. Give her half his life, so to speak. At times, he could be both personalities, carry on conversations. At other times, the mother half took over completely. He was never all Norman. But he was often only mother. And because he was so pathologically jealous of her, he assumed that she was as jealous of him. Therefore, if he felt a strong attraction to any other woman, the mother's side of him would go wild. When he met your sister, he was touched by her, aroused by her. He wanted her. That set off the jealous mother, and mother killed the girl. Now, after the murder, Norman returned as if from a deep sleep. And like a dutiful son, covered up all traces of the crime he was convinced his mother had committed. Why was he dressed like that? He's a transvestite. Uh, not exactly. A man who dresses in women's clothing in order to achieve a sexual change or satisfaction is a transvestite. But in Norman's case, he was simply doing everything possible to keep alive the illusion of his mother being alive. And when reality came too close, when danger or desire threatened that illusion, he'd dress up, even to a cheap wiggy board. He'd walk about the house, sit in her chair, speak in her voice. He tried to be his mother. And uh, now he is. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> if you think you have mommy issues, you haven't seen anything yet. It's the ultimate tale of sex, deception, and a boy who would do anything for the love of his mother. Tonight, the dolls discuss Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 classic, Psycho.
And now, the Dolls of Horror. What an excellent day for an exorcism. guys welcome back to the dolls of horror podcast the spot to feed your tormented addiction i'm summer and i'm jamie jamie this is a groundbreaking episode for us i'm really excited about this i know you are (laughs) we have never done a movie that is so old and so influential on horror the pressure is on i feel so much pressure on this movie I know. This is one of those movies where it's like, it's almost like a holy grail kind it of is. movie. Um, a, it, well, for one, it deserves it. It's an iconic movie just in cinema in general, let alone horror. Um, but yeah, people people have um, deep feels about this one. <laughs> and it's black and white. I don't think we've done a black and white movie. We've never done a movie this old. Yeah. Maybe the oldest might be Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we've done the 70s, but we've never delved into the 60s. We have not done Night of the Living Dead, which we need to do, by the way, or that, or anything. So this is kind of a big deal. For those of you who don't know yet, because we haven't said it, we're talking about the original Psycho 1960. Ooh, <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously. Oh, my God. Oh, Jamie, when's the first time you've seen Psycho? Well, so as I've said before on this show a few times, um, one of my earliest horror movies as a child was The Birds, right? Mm -hmm. So I saw Psycho a little later than that because I saw The Birds when I was pretty young. Um, But I would say I saw Psycho before I really delved full uh, full fledged into horror. So this was probably when I was like preteen. I actually saw it on TV, um, but was really excited about it because I had seen The Birds already. And I thought it was scary and cool. I didn't fully appreciate it, though, I don't think, until I was a little bit older. Um, you know, I didn't, like, pick up on everything, I guess, yet. Or because it's black and white and it's older, as a young person, it took a little bit of time for it to catch on with me. But, like, I adore this movie now. Watched it many times. Love our some of our leads. I love Anthony Perkins. I love Janet Lee like, so much. So what about you? When's the first time you saw it? I don't even know. Like you, it took me a long time to be able to appreciate this movie. And don't hate me, y'all. I didn't fully appreciate this movie until this week when I was doing my homework. That's fine. Again, it's like, you know, it's a different era of mm-hmm. filming. So it's a different it's a different style. It's not what we're necessarily used to seeing. This is definitely my first Hitchcock mm-hmm. like, ever. I know this. I know I saw it on TV cut. USA, TNT, something like that. So I did see it cut on cable. I was already full-blown horror then. So maybe early teens? Okay. Maybe pre-teens. So we were around the same age when we first saw it. I think I might have seen part two first. Ooh. Honestly, I saw them way out of order, like I did with all these series, franchise, movies. I'm pretty sure that I saw part two first, so I didn't fully appreciate part two either, yes. <laughs> clearly, because I was like, 
hey, I kind of know what's going on because, of course, we all know our characters. We know Norman Bates. We know Anthony Perkins. We know all this stuff, right? Yeah. But honestly, this has never been a personal Holy Grail movie for me until this week. I appreciate it for what it did for horror. I appreciate it for all the things that it's uh, done in the movie at the time, for sure. I know all that stuff, and I love it for that. But it was never, like, like a favorite or yeah. something I went to watch purposefully. That sounds terrible, I know. No, but, it, yeah. it doesn't. I get it. Like I said, it took me time to, like, fully appreciate this movie. Mm-hmm. And even though I love it, um, it's not one that I, like, watch as frequently as other movies on my rotation. I haven't watched this. I mean, I watch it with fair regularity I guess but it's not one that I just throw on like I just watched Bride of Chucky again for like the 10th time in like the last three months like two days ago it's not one of those I know um it's not one of those movies for me I have to be in the mood you know Bride of Chucky I can just throw on because I'm like you know what I need a good vibe movie and I just saw this yesterday but whatever it's still on my queue so for sure yes I've probably seen this original Psycho, maybe five or six times in my lifetime. Yeah. I read the book when I was quite young as well. I read the book as an early teen. Want to read it? Never read it? Oh, girl. I read it again in preparation. This week I read it. It's a quick read. I don't know. I don't remember how many pages. It's like this thick. It's so quick. You are going to okay. zoom through it. Um, so I read it a long, long, long time ago and I liked it. The book better than the actual movie it read it reads really well it doesn't drag in any spots and it yeah. really keeps your attention it keeps your suspense in there this is a the movie is a very 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 good adaptation of the book it's almost exactly the same but there are some differences and quotes that i'm going to give you on this book because yeah. we decided last week we were going to be doing this movie i ran to the library checked this book out why i don't own this book can't tell you i need to own this book same i've never owned it i just got it from the library before and so i went back and i checked it out and i killed it in the the week after work i just dedicated a couple hours to reading instead of watching tv and read it and the book was only written in 1959 one year before this movie was done so that's really really neat for those of you who have not seen psycho here is the synopsis spoilers up the wazoo on this one yes many spoilers ahead the synopsis is a secretary embezzles $40,000 from her employer, goes on the run, and checks into a remote hotel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. And that's just the first half. Yeah, I know. I know. It really, it, it's, it, oh, we'll get into it. For sure. <laughs> Directed, of course, by Alfred Hitchcock. Screenplay by Joseph Stefano and book by Robert Block. Okay. Can I just like say some book versus movie differences right away? Yeah, I'm interested because when I was doing my research a little, I haven't read the book yet. I did read a little bit about Mm -hmm. that, like some of the differences, some of the things that happened in the book that Hitchcock was like, 
uh, no, we're not going to do that particular one. <laughs> and like, right. So anyway, I'd like to hear the, my, my book versus movie notes are kind of scattered all throughout my homework, but these are some really things that I just wanted to highlight right away. First of all, Norman's description is described mm -hmm. as pudgy, short, balding, mid to late forties, overweight, homely, and quote, overtly unstable. Now, chapter three. I'm just going to read this verbatim. Yeah. Looking for a room. Mary made up her mind very quickly once she saw the fat, bespectacled face and heard the soft, hesitant voice. There wouldn't be any trouble. Chapter five. Marion is beheaded in chapter five, not just stabbed, which was I read, awesome. I, was I like, read that. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> that definitely wouldn't fly back then. I wish they would do that now, though. Anyhow. Yeah, that's what Hitchcock was like. Oh, no, we're oh. not going to cut off. We can't cut off Jan and Lee's head. It's bad enough for <laughs> killing her in the shower and flushing a toilet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, the head was the worst. Nothing else was severed, only slashed. Beautiful. Beautifully written book. I'm telling yes. you, you're going to kill this book. You're going to just devour this. You've got oh, to I'm read gonna it. I'm going to eat that up fast. You have yeah. to read it. Like I said, very quick read. It's not long and it's easy. It's an easy one. Okay. Chapter nine. I love this because I, uh, I feel this in my soul. And as I was reading this again, I was like, damn, that's me. <laughs> Aside from like, you know, balding and such. But sure. okay. Chapter nine. Mother finally took him to the doctor. And the doctor said he needed glasses. The glasses helped, but he still had trouble seeing properly when he gazed into the mirror. So after a while, he just didn't, except for when he couldn't help it. And Mother was right. It was nasty to stare at yourself all naked and unprotected, to peek at the blubbery fat, the short hairless arms, the big belly. When you did, you wished you were somebody else, somebody tall and lean and handsome, like Uncle Joe. And I'm like, except for the whole male thing of this sentence, same, dude. Same. Oh. I almost cried a little bit. I was like, I know, right? Well, <laughs> it captures like a relatability because I yes. think the whole idea sounds like with the book too, definitely in the movie, is you kind of wanna kind of wanna relate to Norman just mm -hmm. a little bit, you yeah. know? Because that's the unsettling thing as the viewer or the reader is like, mm -hmm. oh, I I understand where the psycho is coming from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I read that for the first time in 20 years, 25 years maybe. And I was like, damn, same oh. dude. Also in the book, Norman Bates is having a whiskey induced blackout during the shower murder scene. So that was a little different. That is a little different. Um, in the book, Marion uh, was not fucking around. She, they were waiting till marriage. Oh, that's no fun. Right. So there was that whole purity aspect of it all. And part of her, she was like, what, 30 or something. And so part of her hurry and getting this money and getting his debt paid off was so they can hurry up and get married already. Because she didn't want to wait anymore. Yeah. Oh, and the end of the book, it ends with Norma recounting her, that's the mom's name, Norma, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It ends with Norma recounting the event of her being poisoned, but not dying and surviving at all. So it's from her mm -hmm. perspective. And I thought the movie did a really good job 
at ending the movie in a way with that whole last jail cell scene. Yeah. So that was really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So cool. So cool. I read about the description. Um, yeah, I read about the vastly different description of Norman in the book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's definitely not Anthony Perkins. You have – I oh, talk about a handsome man. Like, so dreamy. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. Norman Bates, talk about one of my crazy psycho crushes where I'm like, oh, man, what a dream. What a dream boat. Um, so, yeah, definitely not the description in the book at all. And I think that Hitchcock thought that would be more disarming, you know. Mm -hmm. um, he's charming. He's charismatic. Almost a little, like, childlike, too. Yep. So you're like, oh, I feel safe with this person the other one was childlike also it just wasn't nearly as handsome handsome not even a little bit so and I think that I think that change was also made by the screenwriter he's like if I recall correctly from a documentary I saw a long time ago he said I don't think our audiences are going to like this guy be sympathetic with this guy he's yeah. the, the guy they described as the kind of guy you like to hate yeah, it's the guy you avoid, and they wanted the guy that, like, yeah, you relate to, you understand, and you almost, again, have a trust or even an interest in him. Right. Now, for the remake, you've seen the the Vince Vaughn remake, yes or no? Okay. I have. Okay, you don't like it. I can tell. I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> totally indifferent. I don't care either way, honestly. Uh, it's completely forgettable. It's a shot-for-shot -shot remake, which I, I know. personally like because – a lot of people don't watch this movie because it is old and it is black and white. And that gives you the chance to see everything without seeing an old movie. So I do not mind the shot for shot remake. I actually really like it when movies do that sometimes. But I think it would be very interesting if they had casted Norman as they described him in the book. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. But again, I'm kind of with the screenwriter. I don't know if it would work. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know if it would achieve like what they were at least what the what this movie and the remake were kind of going for, which mm -hmm. is that you kind of relate to and feel comfort around Norman a little bit. You don't feel off guard necessarily. He's a little weird, but you're like, he's handsome. It's OK. Right. <laughs> a quirky. Yeah. And then I was having a conversation with my coworker at my job last night, and we were talking about who would be the good choice in that description. He's like, maybe Paul Giamatti. And I'm like, yeah, could work. That would be a fascinating thing to see. Is I don't have any Paul other better recommendations. I think that would be a very interesting choice. He's a great actor, too. He's, a, so. he's an amazing actor. Yeah, so I thought that would be fun. Yeah, he's got but. the pipes for it. He's got the he's got the he's got the acting chops to really like play that role well. That would be really interesting. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, let's jump in with our favorite kill. Mother, oh God, mother, blood, blood. I mean, there's not a lot. It's an old movie. Yeah, there's like two really that I, two kills, you know, but they're, and they're both really good. They're both really cool. You're only allowed to pick one. Yep. I you want me I to got, go? I got my favorite. Do you have your definite favorite? I have my definite favorite. Okay, go for it. <laughs> it's the shower kill. Oh, um, it's, that's not mine. Oh, yay. Okay. 
Awesome. Okay. So the shower kill, um, obviously it's iconic for a reason. It's, it's really amazing. There's actually a documentary that, um, goes through every second of that, of that scene and like breaks it down. And it's crazy how it's all put together. It took like a week for them to shoot that scene. They made like movable walls and special things and it's just crazy. But like, I love it because you have the beautiful, she's in the shower. You have that beautiful silhouette of mother um you know behind the shower curtain and just like the scream the slices the cuts to what's happening you get like that cut to her um like to her abs like her waist you know with the knife um and then her hand dragging down the shower as she slides down the moment where like the blood goes in and her hand grabs onto the curtain and pulls it down as she falls and you get that beautiful like the drain to her eyeball and Oh, the way it's shot is amazing. You feel like you see a lot more than you do. You do see things in there that they were able to slip past, like the ratings people a little bit, mm -hmm. where they're like, we'll just put it in there fast and they won't notice mm -hmm. the nudity. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a brilliant, brilliantly done scene. Very, very cool. Um, and again, I love Janet. So the fact that like she's the one in that scene makes me so happy. <laughs> I love the other kill. I love the investigator. I love that kill too. And of course, I heard you talking about this with David earlier. I love it because of the cinematography of it all. Why don't you tell our audiences all about that? Yeah, so um I have to mention the the part before he actually falls too because it's so cool. You get that's, this and that's all why I love it so much. It's so great. Uh, it's that above above shot from above shot it freaking i had to watch it like twice again this time because it's so cool because our pi abernathy i think is his name mm -hmm. something like that he's like coming around the corner of the stairs and then mother like comes out and you see all of this from above which is crazy cool um but anyway for the scene where he's like falling down the stairs apparently they had him sit there move his arms like he was falling backwards but behind him, they had a screen that was playing the footage of the camera, like, panning down the stairs, like, moving down the stairs. So that's how they actually achieved that really, really cool effect. I mean, it looks badass. That is why it's so badass. Like, that's why it's my favorite. Everything that goes into that. Of course, the shower kill is so iconic. But we've seen it to death. And yeah. no one ever features this kill. And it's so beautiful. And that's not the first time in this movie they, they did that direct bird's eye view mm -hmm. which is so cool and it's so so, awesome. so party so yeah that one's definitely my favorite for all of those reasons thank you for describing it so beautifully so great <laughs> so so great it's gorgeous and so it's gorgeous. it's just very creative too like just given the time that it came out and everything too and the fact that they had a kind of limited budget it was like that's such a creative smart way to achieve like a really neat effect yep all righty fashion moment so many looks <laughs> yeah looks i don't have a lot actually i don't have a lot either i have two okay i got one okay you go first then <laughs> i'm sure if i tried a little harder i could come up with more but I was so focused on the cinematography of this movie. I got lost in cinematography. I have a whole page of typed cinematography notes that I wasn't paying any attention to fashion or hair. So my fashion moment is the black bra. 
Awesome. Well, funnily enough, my favorite fashion moment is Marianne's white bra and slip at the beginning. And I'm sure I'm sure you read this too, or maybe not, but uh, you know, um Hitchcock did that on purpose um to show like this uh, good and good and evil, good and bad, right? Because um in the beginning, Marion's in white in a white bra and a white slip. She even has a white purse that she puts the cash into. But once she has the cash in hand, it's a black purse and it's a black bra. So tricky. So mm-hmm. good. You so know. good. My other item that I really liked is this is before her infamous shower, but Janet Lee is in her motel room and she has a beautiful robe on. Um, obviously, <laughs> I don't know exactly what color it is. I'd like to think it's pink, but it's probably black given it looks light, but it's got like little spots on it and it's like silky and it's really nice. And it's like right before her shower. So I'm going to say it's pink. I, I think it's pink. pink. It's one of your pink ribs of horror. Yeah, she's a pink girl. I know it. <laughs> I also really like, I do enjoy the dress, the button up dress she was wearing in the so beginning. Pretty. So pretty. Mm-hmm. So pretty. So I really like that as well. And I like her white purse. I do. I loved it. It was almost a prop. I didn't end up choosing it, but I almost picked that purse. It's I love so those cute. box purses at the time. No. I love them. Me too. Okay. Best hair. How's my hair? Hurricane proof. Hey, it's all about the hair. Okay. My only hair moment is Sam and his hot guy poof. Okay. Can we just say Sam's really hot too? Oh my God. I've always had a thing for Sam. I've always thought he was so fucking handsome. Of course, I knew John Gavin long, 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 long long ago I, I probably knew of him before i saw this movie because he was in thoroughly modern millie he played I the know. hot guy in thoroughly modern millie i know he's typecast as the hot guy for sure it was yeah, so much later that i developed a thing for anthony perkins but i always had a thing for for john gavin oh, and that hair yes. oh he is he is tall and Woo! dark and handsome and dreamy like, no whoa. No wonder she was going to marry him. Hottie. Yeah, hottie alert. I didn't pick Sam, but I'm glad you did because that is a good hot guy poof. Um, How can I, I not? Pick- it's a hot guy poof right I there. know. Right Somebody right. had to pick it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you picked that one. Um, I have to give it to Marion. I feel like that's so easy, but like her hair is so perfect. Like she just rocks that short cut, that short style. So pretty. I like it in the shower when she's sliding down the wall. Um, and then also just shout out to Norman. I mean, it's not anything like his hair isn't anything crazy, but he's just so handsome. I just have to say it. it's a half poof. <laughs> it is. It counts. It's a little shorter, but yeah, it's a half poof. It counts. I also must say that I really enjoy that when Marion's in the shower, her she gets her hair wet. Yeah, I know. Instead of like avoiding it. As I know. They do sometimes. So I loved it that she was full wet. She's like, yeah, we're washing this hair just like we do in real life. Loved it. She was enjoying that shower too. She was. She was in there and she was like, (laughs) she was enjoying it. I'll just say it was a long day. She wanted her shower, felt nice. And then that's it. Nothing like a good shower. It's I'm a two shower a day person. I shower, I have to shower. I must shower before I get my day started. I feel grimy and gross if I don't. I think I'm a night sweater. Because I just feel mm. oogie when I wake up every day. But at night, 
most of the time I need a quick rinse as well because I think I it's probably I know it's all psychological people make fun of me for this all the time I just feel like I have to wash the day off I don't even want to crawl into bed until I wash the filth of the day off not Is physical it- filth emotional filth yeah. <laughs> it's a good feeling man I mean after after a long day it's like that is a good feeling yeah at the end of the day I'll ask myself it's winter I'm not sweating in fact I'm freezing why do I feel like I must take a shower I did not get dirty I didn't sweat I didn't exert any physical activity I wasn't outside at all but I just feel like I just got to wash it all away so it's Damn. all psychological I know summer's got issues. Okay, I get it. Hey, it works. We're talking about psycho right now, so you're in the right place for this kind of talk. <laughs> so I think p- part of her thing was psychological too. She just wanted to wash it all away and start over. She did. All right, prop. We would like to own. I brought something out from my dream. Where did you get that? Um, give me your winner, and then I'll give you my winner, and we can just bounce. Okay. It's hard because there's some good ones on my list and this might be the easiest grab, but like, I do really want it. I've always wanted it. I want the Bates Motel vacancy sign lit up. Oh, that's a good one. I don't have that. What? How do you know? That's all right. You can borrow borrow mine. Thank you. Occasionally. We'll go back and forth. (laughs) Like the sisterhood of traveling pants, but as a psycho. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. My winner, I want Marion's 1956 Ford mainline car. Uh, how did I know? I knew it. When I saw I that car, I'm like, I think Summer wants that. <laughs> that car, I think, I'm pretty sure, oh, don't quote me, um, I'm pretty sure that car was only in production for five years, and that was the last year <sighs> they made that car. Wow. So it's kind of a special model. It's kind of a special car. Yeah. And, you know, my dad's a Ford guy, so it's a Ford, so want the car for sure i know nothing about cars other than when they look really good like when i know i like how they look and that is a car that when i saw it i was like i don't know about this car but i know that i like it that's all i know about cars <laughs> but it's gorgeous and you're like and i know summer wants this car <laughs> that too i was like summer's gonna choose this car it's gonna be on her list i know it we're gonna have car talk i know it summer's car talk the winner marion's 56 board <laughs> gotta have it uh, so good okay um i don't know where i would put this exactly but damn it i would find a place i would like mother please i have mother too okay good in a rocking chair you know i just have her set up you know when people come over set a place for her at the table or whatever <laughs> gotta have mother around mother is like so gnarly and awesome looking like i have to say i love 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 mother i want her I know exactly where I'd put mother. I would put mother in her rocking chair by my shelf of other there like dolls. So she would find a home next to Chucky and my belly puppet doll. Oh, what a happy little family. A creepy happy family for sure. Yes. So yeah, I had mother as well. Okay. I want the house. I know it's not a real house. I know it's a facade. I want it. If I was a rich person, I would hire an architect to build me a replica of this house and live in it. 
and probably be quite famous in the neighborhood and have a bunch of tourists stopping by to take a picture next to the replica of the replica of the replica house. Yes. Um, <laughs> always wanted this house. I fucking love the house and the motel. <laughs> Everything, the steps, all of it. Now, I know those steps would get pretty old after a while, but like, how many more steps to go? Kill me now. But I love it all. Have you ever been to Universal? No, I've always wanted to do that, and I've never gotten to do it. It's been a long time, but I went. Field trip. Right? I went to Universal Hollywood when I was living in California. I worked for Bond's Safeway grocery store, and at one point they rented out a park for Halloween Horror Nights. All the all the grocery stores in the California region. So it was all of us employees in the entire California region were running amok for Halloween Horror Nights in this park. Oh. And so I went with a coworker because he had a car and could drive me. And, you know, we took the tram tour that mm -hmm. goes by the house. And nowadays they have a Norman actor sometimes coming out of the house and putting a body in the car. Sometimes oh. he's walking to the tram with his knife. It just depends on when your tram hits the, the house and where he's at in his journey of acting but back then it wasn't that detailed and back then they had an actor walking out of the house and standing at the top of those steps it was, awesome. it was so cool. so cool it was so cool to the point where i was like who is that is that even a person is that just like an animatronic or a cardboard cut out but he moved yeah. so it was a person up there it was so neat and so yeah and then they do have walking tours too so if i ever went back to universal in a non-horror night season i would get that vip ticket which is very pricey but very worth it and you get like walking tours of things oh how fun and it's kind of a shame that this house that they have is not the real house because mm. they keep kept destroying the set and rebuilding it and destroying it and rebuilding it and moving it. And now Whoville is behind the motel. So you see the motel and you see the pieces of Whoville sticking up. It just, no. it's, not the, it's not the same feel as when I went and it's not the same feel at all. You can find this on YouTube. I was... I watched the newer videos on YouTube and I said, what the fuck is that? You're like, there's Whoville it. back there. <laughs> <laughs> What's that pink thing behind the motel? Oh my God. Anyway, it's kind of upsetting that it's not the real replica house that they used in any of the movies. And no. even the motel, I think, is the motel they used for the remake. It's not the original. Aww. Yeah, so I wish that that the house and the motel had remained intact all these times, but they needed the space for other attractions. I get it. I know, but still kind of loses so. its luster. I want to hire an architect to build this house for me. The house is beautiful. I read that it was based on a 1925 painting. Um, so I thought that was really cool. So I like the house too. Um, okay. I will also take the uh, cool photo of Marion that RPI like shows shows Perkins shows Norman mm -hmm. when he's like looking for her questioning so I'd like that little photo of her I want the Fairvale church sign oh, that's a good one um see now you know why I didn't pick the sign because I picked the house but if I want the motel too it kind of comes with the sign comes with it 
Okay, in that case, then I get the motel too, since I picked the sign. Well, of course. <laughs> there is set. There is set. So it's like, I don't know where I'd put the motel, but. <laughs> figure it out. I'll figure it out. Hey, it's just up the street. You know, she's coming from Phoenix, you know. Uh, no, I was right? like, there's Tucson's mentioned twice in this movie, by the way, where I was like, yeah, Tucson represent. <laughs> and then Tempe's mentioned, Phoenix mentioned. So I was like, whoop, whoop, Arizona. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, next item. Um, I would really also like the motel guest book. Oh, yeah. I had that in my head and I didn't write it down for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I would love the newspaper. I have that too with the money bundled in oh, it, yeah. of course. Anything else for you? One last thing. Um. Although the taxidermied birds are awesome, I would rather <laughs> ju- I would rather just have the cute bird paintings that are oh, in the yeah. motel room. They're really cute. I love the bird motif that goes throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I want the knife. Nice. Boring. I know. So predictable. That's good though. So boring. It's good though. It's iconic. Yeah, it is. Imagine. So amazing props (laughs) really good props in this one there were other items i looked at too that just didn't make my final cut but it's a good there's some good props in this one okay time for epic line boy the next word that comes out of your mouth better be some brilliant fucking mark twain shit because it's definitely getting chisel on your tombstone okay my winner is comes from sam I wonder where Norman Bates does his hermiting. <laughs> Dude, yes, uh, me, me. I wonder where Summer does his does her hermit thing. Thank you, love it. <laughs> What's your winner? Okay, man, and I got to say there were a lot of good lines. It was hard. I narrowed it down to three, but it was really hard. There were other lines that I had to like struggle to pick between. But um, it's when um, Norman is Norman is uh, Norman's with Marion. You know, he's made her a sandwich and everything, and they're gonna eat it or whatever. And this is right before he invites her into the parlor. But he says, "No, stop raining." Eating in an office is just, just too officious. I, I have the parlor back here. <laughs> and I thought it was adorable to maybe laugh out loud. <laughs> He's so cute. I know. Okay, my number two. Headaches are like resolutions. You forget them as soon as they stop hurting. You got a headache? Oh, it'll pass. Headaches are like resolutions. You forget them as soon as they stop hurting. <laughs> oh that's such a good line too marion oh, i Marianne. know marion is wonderful um another norman line um just because i think this is yeah it's i feel like it's kind of an easy pick but it's such a good line it really explains him and just humanity where he says you know what i think i think that we're all in our private traps clamped in them and none of us can ever get out we scratch and and claw but only at the air only at each other and for all of it we never budge an inch sometimes we deliberately step into those traps Mm. i'm like oh that's that captures the bleakness so well (laughs) this is why you got to read this book (laughs) 
I know. I can't wait. I don't remember if that specific line is in it, but it has that feel. I think I read that it is um, mm. because this was one of, I was like, that's such a great line. It's so prolific, you know? And so I, I think I looked it up and I think this one is right from the book. Oh, what's your last one? Because Nina said we have one in common and so far we have none. So what's your last one? Okay. It's Norman again. They're all Norman for me, even though Marion had great lines that really were hard for me to not pick. Um, but anyway, this one made me laugh so loud every time. I know Where which he one says, it is. Okay. He says, <laughs> Well, want to come in and register? No, 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 sit down. I don't want to trouble you. I just want to ask you a few questions. No, that's and... no trouble. Uh, today's linen day. I always change the beds here once a week, whether they've been used or not. Hate the smell of dampness, don't you? It's such mm. a, I don't know, creepy smell. Come on. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, wait, what? And I had to go back and I'm like, oh, he said it was a creepy smell. <laughs> Agreed. I don't like Agreed. the smell of dampness. I hate, I hate Chicago summers. It's so damp and muggy mm -hmm. and disgusting and swampy it's so much so that my couch I you sit on it and it feels wet I understand it's gross so gross so I I relate and I love the, there's no other scent I really love more than clean linens and mm -hmm. when I change my bedding and crawl into those that's delicious smelling blankets it's like <sighs> Right. that is a nice smell and feel yeah but oh, not dampness feeling. no the best feeling so relatable that was my number three oh, my good. number four because it has to be said i didn't i that's why i was like mm, is she going with the obvious pick or is she going with the not obvious pick and you're with the not obvious pick you guys know what i'm about to say it's been quoted a gazillion trillion million times by everything, Scream used it, of course. We all go a little mad sometimes, haven't you? But the best part of this line... She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Haven't you? Yes. Sometimes just one time can be enough. So no one, ever, no one ever remembers that part. And that's a beautiful, beautiful part. Yeah, actually, I mean, I wrote that down on my initial list. And I did include, I did include, not? you have to, I'm like, one of us has to say it. I mean, it has to be said. But um, I did include Marion's, you know, response to that. Because I thought that really, like, that is really, like, the full, the full, like, line and moment is you have to get her a response to. 100%. Absolutely. Okay, it's time to talk about our acting. But before we do that, we need to take an ad break. Now there's about 20 of them out there. What will we do? Don't worry, we're safe in here. They'll never get in. Why is it that in every zombie story, people always think that their safe haven is invulnerable? I know, it's like, hello, the walkers are totally gonna get in. You better get ready for it. No! Diane, get behind me. It's not stopping. Do something, Jack! And another thing. How come nobody in a zombie story has ever seen a zombie story? Do you know how much time in human life would be saved if just one person in the group was up on the genre? What do we do? Aim, Aim for, for the, the head. head. What? Aim, Aim for, for the, the head. head. You heard them. Aim for the head! Quick, Diane. I think we should try and fix the barricades. I think we should listen to them. Now that's the first good idea they've had all episode. I still don't think they're gonna make it. 
Aim for the Head, a weekly podcast covering the hit AMC programs The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. Join hosts Diana and Steve as they recap and discuss the latest episodes. Aim for the Head, available on iTunes. You can also follow them on Facebook. And now for actors. I know every face in here. I got a respect for the unknown actor. All right. So I have so much on these people. It's it's insane. Okay. Awesome. I'll let you kind of take it away. I okay. do know a number of these people, but I'm sure that you know them even better. So take awesome. it away. Okay. Sometimes yes and sometimes no. So let's, of course, start off with Anthony Perkins. Oh, the late great born 1932 past 1992 at 60 from AIDS. Very, yeah. very sad. It's very, the whole story is sad. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we have to go with psychos, all of them, all four. Yep. Duh. <laughs> you know. But do you have anything else for him? Because I got some more. You know, it's crazy because I love him so much from Psycho, from all the Psycho movies. And I'm like, man, I really don't know a lot of his other work. And I will say, um, you know, I think I think Anthony Perkins had some trouble getting away from the character of Norman. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've read. He's ta- He talked about it, you know, multiple times. He said he wouldn't change it, you know, that he would still take the role if he could have gone back in time. But it did. Um, it was hard for him to escape that character. Um, but the only other thing I really knew him from was Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he did also have a very, very successful theatrical career. I read that too. Which I don't have any of those credits uh, listed, but he did a lot of theater. So he was always working, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't in film. Now, I really loved Double Negative from 1980. It is about a photographer who tries to find his wife killer. John Candy has a small role in it. It's really good. Guys, check it out. Check that out. Mm -hmm. Um, Henry always loved Mahogany with Diana Ross. Mm -hmm. Love her. Mm -hmm. He was the best part about that movie. He he was crazy. He played crazy in that movie, too, just so you know. Typecasting, probably. But he's good at it. Very good at (laughs) it. Um, in 1991, he was in a movie called Demon in My View about a man who kills prostitutes, kind of a Jack the Ripper ripoff, in my opinion, if you ask me, but you know, uh, let's see here. Oh, and he directed Psycho 3. I read that. Mm-hmm. And also Lucky Stiff from 1988. Cool. Okay. Janet Lee, Marion Cray. All right, we lost her in 2004 at 77 years old. I mean, first and foremost, it's not Psycho for me. It's my sister, Eileen. I fucking love that musical so much. It's a Bob Fosse show Mm -hmm. before he was a choreographer. He was a dancer in that with Tommy Rawls, and it was a genius. Oh, that makes sense to me um, very much. <laughs> it's one I of mean, my favorites. It really is. Aw. She's such an amazing lady. Like, I just think she's, like, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Love her, love her, love her. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen I have to mention it because David really loves, like, film noir, um, Touch of Evil. Mm-mm. No. Oh, one of our other actors is in it, too. Um, the cop with the glasses. Mm. He's in Touch of Evil as well. It's really good film noir kind of movie. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty. I remember seeing that for sure. It's awesome. Bye bye, Birdie. I know. I know. <laughs> Love Bye Bye Birdie. I think um, a nerd is coming out. 
I know. I was like, ooh, Summer's going to be so excited because several of our cast members have musicals in their Well, in that's their what credit. you did back then. Exactly. Well, I had a whole conversation with David about this where I'm like, you know, that's just, it's not unusual that these actors also could dance and sing because back then you did all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like Holiday Affair. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas movie I like to watch. Okay. So I just talked about this in Wishmaster. She was in an episode of Touched by an Angel with Swoosie Kurtz and Tony Crane, who played Josh in Wishmaster. Ooh. It's a really good good episode. She's awesome, of course. So cool. Um, Let's see what else. Oh, Manchurian Candidate. Yes, I forgot about that one. Yeah. So good. Two tickets to Broadway. Aw. My last theater credit, I promise. (laughs) That's fine. The Fog. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite, Halloween H2O. I oh. saved it for you, and I thought that was going to be the first movie that you mentioned, but I saved it for you. Oh, my sister Eileen and, and Bye Bye Birdie got to win out, but horror-wise, Halloween H2O and their little homage they do to Psycho by calling her Norma and also by giving her the exact same car. I know. Which is so cool. I love that. When I saw H2O for the first time when it came out, I just adored that so much. Yeah. Uh, That's all I got, kind of. Those are my highlights. What about you? Anything else? The only other one I have is she was in the, I believe it was 1949 version of Little Women. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I think she played Meg. I haven't seen that, though. I have seen it, but it's been a while. Yeah, I've not. Um, Little Women, I've never really, like, cared for. I loved the book when I was like in middle school. So I've seen multiple like mm-hmm. adaptations of it. I haven't seen the newest one that had come out though. Cause I, I'm kind of past my little women phase, but <laughs> I had the phase when I was a little woman. Uh, I had the Anne of Green Gables phase myself, but I don't think I ever read little women. Oh, so I, I didn't, only, I was younger. I only have the movies and the musical to draw on. And I was not a fan, honestly, sorry. Yeah, not it's okay. Really. Yeah. But I was I was an Anne of Avonlea and Anne of Green Gables girl when I, oh. that was my phase. Same period. That was my phase. I've had I had many book phases when I was <laughs> younger because that's like all I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Alrighty, Vera Miles, aka Vera Ralston, playing Lila Crane. I'm unsure on when she passed. I I read there's nothing. I couldn't find anything concrete. She's born in 1929. So she's still alive. <laughs> Good on you. Whoa. I read she passed in 2003 of cancer. I also had read 2023, but there's so much conflicting information out there. I don't know what's true. Wow. Interesting. Now, fun fact she was supposed to be in Vertigo. She was contracted to do one more Hitchcock film, and that's why she's in this movie. The reason she wasn't in Vertigo was she got pregnant right before filming because she couldn't do it. Oh, okay. Interesting. So the whole reason she's in this picture is because she had a contract to do one more Hitchcock. And she had a baby, so she couldn't mm-hmm. do that one. Okay. But, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So my favorite thing ever, aside from this, is she reprises her role in Lila and Psycho 2, which I love. She's they got great. the exact same actor to play her. They didn't just recast as awesome. 
I know. Again, on my Psycho 2 rant that I've been on all week, I was telling David, I'm like, and she comes back. She comes back. She's in it too. <laughs> that was a little fun little nugget for me because as I said, I'm pretty sure I saw Psycho 2 first. So when I saw Psycho 1, I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I never cast the same person, especially that far, that much later. They always just recast. So I that know. was amazing. We did this movie a long time ago with Tori. It was one of her last episodes as a regular, The Initiation. It was a sorority oh, movie. She also had small parts in Two Tickets to Broadway, uh, The Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. But her thing was like mainly Western shows of the 60s and 70s. Her last role, though, was 1995. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I would love to know where her life took her after she retired from acting and that role was separate lives starring jim belushi and linda hamilton what never seen it but what a cast mm -hmm. okay anything else for vera for you those were the things that i jotted down to it's all about psycho too oh yeah <laughs> oh john gavin sam loomis Sam Loomis, anyone? Oh, yeah. I know. I was like, Loomis, Loomis. Sam. Same first name, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Again, another reason why this movie is so influential on modern horror. Now, John passed in 2018 at 86 years old. My most favorite thing in the world he's ever done is, of course, playing Trevor Graydon in Thoroughly Modern Millie. I'm with you because I love Thoroughly Modern Millie. It's one of my faves. So I definitely, definitely knew him from that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything else for you? Um, you know, I've seen it. It's been a long time, um, but he is in the 1960 version of Spartacus. Oh, yeah. It's been a long I think time he, I think he plays, I can't remember who he plays. He plays a pretty big character. Now, I thought I knew this guy a whole lot more than I did, so it just must be my love for Millie making me think this. Same. But I, he did play Cary Grant in the Sophia Loren biopic in 1980. I forgot what it was called. I saw that, but I haven't seen the movie. Saw it a long, long time ago. And uh, his last project was 1981 in Fantasy Island. So he had a quite a ways to go after he retired as well. Martin Balsam playing Milton Abergast. We lost him in 96. He was 76 years old. His last role was in 1997, so he worked until the very end. This guy's got bars. He does have <laughs> bars. He was the judge in the original, or he was the judge in Cape Fear in 1991. And he was also in the original Cape Fear, which I thought that was fun. I think that's so awesome when that happens. I was like, yes. <laughs> what else you got for him? Okay. Um, he was in The Sentinel. I love that movie. Have you seen that one? Mm -mm. But maybe. Oh! it's I a horror so, movie though. there's a cat birthday party it's got crazy shit that happens in it and you will recognize so many faces that pop up in that movie i've said oh it could be such a good drinking game you would be wasted when you see like different people pop up and you're like hey that's so hey that's so and so anyway the sentinel if you haven't seen it i love that movie you know i think i saw it i might have seen it during covid it never gets talked about ever we should do that one anyway I should. and i'm pretty sure it popped up in my in my recommendations on tubi in 2020 and i'm pretty sure i watched it 
but I can't tell you for sure until I watch it again if this is what I'm thinking of. Do it. I just thought of another prop I want to own. <laughs> what? Me and my set decor. I want the phone. Aww. Take it. I, but I digress. <laughs> is this a background piece? <laughs> do you have anything else, Jamie? Because I have two more things. For Martin, I do have a couple other things. Um, he's in all the President's Men, and I love that one. Because I got to say, like, Watergate is part of the reason that I became a journalist, because I was, like, fascinated when I learned about it. And I'm like, look what these journalists did. Pew, pew, they're superheroes. So I, that's part of the reason. So I love all the President's Men. Um, he was also in Murder, Murder on the Orient Express. And the Twilight Zone. And I'll give the rest to you. Mm, breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, I love Breakfast at Tiffany's. And Two Evil Eyes. I love that um, anthology a lot. A lot. Yeah, I actually almost watched that the other day. I've never seen it before. Girl, but... stop putting it yeah. off. You're going to love it. I know I will. So good. And it has our girl Julie Benz in it. Oh, I love her. It was her first role. Oh, Fresh from her figure skating career. There she is. So you got to watch it. Yeah, I know. And she has a fashion moment. I'm just okay. uh-huh. Um, That's all I got. Anything else? Oh, he's also in St. Elmo's Fire. He plays a teacher. There you go. <laughs> John McIntyre playing Sheriff Al Chambers. All right. Oh, he died a long time ago. He passed in 91. He was 83 years old. Oh. He was Amos and Turner and Hooch. That was <laughs> Amos my- and Turner and Hooch, yeah. <laughs> that was my first one, too, because I love Turner and Hooch. I think we mentioned it once, maybe before on the show, or Yeah. yeah. He was in the Rescuers cartoon. I have that. <laughs> I fucking love the Rescuers. That was like towards the end of my cartoon viewing years. So I, but I remember that one. And last but not least, he was in the Shirley Jones show, Shirley. It only lasted 13 episodes, but I remember it. It was 1980. He was also in one of the Herbie movies. Herbie the Love Bug, anybody? Anybody yes. remember those? He was in Herbie Rides Again. I loved rides again. <laughs> it made, it, I had like a little nostalgia with this guy where I was like, Turner and Hooch, the rescuers. And I'm like, Herbie, I haven't thought about Herbie the love bug in like ages, like fucking ages. I forgot that car existed. How could I? I'm ashamed <laughs> of myself. You should be. <laughs> I am. Man, they made so many of those. And they then made they remade so it. Many of those. Oh, yeah. I know. Righty, Simon. Oakland playing Dr. Fred Rickman. Ah, he passed in 1983. I have two things, only two things. Same. West Side Story. Yep. <laughs> Tucker's Witch. I, you know, I know. You know, I love the show. So when good. I saw when I saw that on his list, I'm like, oh, we're we haven't mentioned that show in a minute. It's been the a other, minute. It's been like yeah. a year. I I love that fucking show. Still do. Yeah. It was the streaming other- on Tubi. I wonder if it still is. You got to check it out. Okay, I'll look for it because you, you've mentioned it multiple episodes, so I definitely have to check it out. The other thing I knew him from was uh, he was in like 20 episodes of Kolchak. Oh, yeah. He was in like 20 episodes of that show. I didn't watch that show, though. I like so that that's show. Why, that's why I, like, I missed that one. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? That's all I had for him. All righty. Frank Albertson playing Tom Cassidy. Oh, he died young, 1964. He was only 55 years old. According to the internet, he died in his sleep. What 55-year-old dies in his sleep? 
Wow. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what was the cause of that. Cause that's not normal. That's Again, really, really young. In 1964, they probably didn't have the technology to yeah, tell things. why he died mm -hmm. in his sleep. That's too young. He worked until the very end. He was on the Andy Griffith show until the very, very end. And he played Sam Wainwright in It's a Wonderful Life. Mm -hmm. And he was Sam the Mayor in Bye Bye Birdie. This is not the first time we've talked about Bye Bye Birdie on this episode. I was going to say the Bye Bye Birdie connection in this one. The musicals. Ugh. I was like, oh, there's multiple musicals in this one. That's all I had for him, too, was pretty much um, what you said. Yeah, not a whole lot. Okay. Lorraine Tuttle playing Mrs. Chambers. The Manitou. She was Mrs. Hertz in The Manitou. That's the only thing I have for her, though. You know, I, I know the poster for that movie, but I still haven't seen it. So, yeah. I mean, she was in a lot of shows that I know, but, like, one episode kind of, like, arc. So I didn't really write a lot down for her. I did note that she was in an episode of The Monsters because I love that show so much. Mm -hmm. And we know Butch. So I'm like, oh, it's a Monsters thing. Got to bring it up. And then um, she was also in... Um, she was also in an episode of Dennis the Menace. I don't know why I picked that out of everything she's been in, but I'm like, I remember Dennis the Menace. Uh, this whole cast movie be like, what? Herbie, what? Dennis the Menace, the rescue. I'm like, oh my God, all these childhood things. Anyway, that's all I knew her from. <laughs> <laughs> I only have the magnitude. That's it. Okay. Uh, John Anderson playing California Charlie. Now we lost him at 69 years old in 1992. He was in Smokey the Bandit Part 2. He was in Dallas, Eight Men Out from 1988, Perfect Strangers, and Jake and the Fat Man. You know, it had to happen. I had to say it. Saw that on the list and thought of you too. I didn't really have anything else for him. All right. Okay. The secretary, Patricia Hitchcock, was Hitchcock's daughter. Um, mm -hmm. I don't... I did not plan on that. I just saw it and I didn't write anything down. But did you look at her? Because I didn't. Um, I Terrible looked at person. her, but I didn't really know any of her credits. Um, she she was in some stuff, but nothing that I recognized. I just knew her as, oh, hey, that's that's his daughter. Yeah. That's cool. For sure. <laughs> and last but not least, and I didn't mention everybody because there's lots of cast. Yeah. Last but not least, the voice of Norma Bates. Now, credited is Virginia Gregg. Mm -hmm. who passed in 1986 at 70 years old and she also voiced norma in psychos two and three but she had 250 other things which i was not familiar with same fun fact norma's mother was voiced by three people yeah at some point mm -hmm. uh may i give this fun fact jamie absolutely okay so norma's mother was voiced by paul jasmine virginia greg and jeanette nolan nolan provided some of the screams when lila discovers the corpse of mrs bates and the three voices were like kind of mixed and used like that so in total three actresses played the dialogue which is very very interesting isn't that fascinating that, yeah, they just kind of mixed, mixed the voices around till they kind of got what they wanted. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that's, that's fascinating. <laughs> Way ahead of their time. Seriously. Yeah. Did you have anyone else that I left out? Um, you know, I already mentioned him, Mort Millis. He is the cop um, with the big glasses that stops her and everything. And like I said, he, um, he was also in Touch of Evil, which Janet is in. All right. That's all. Yep. Okay, great. Cinematography. I've, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. 
John L. Russell did our cinematography in this one. He died shortly after this, though, in 1967. He was only 62 years old. His wow. career started in 1933 with wow. Dangerous Crossroads. But he also did so many things. He did The Virginian. He did McHale's Navy, the original. He did 1948's Macbeth and 21 episodes of the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. That's also a fun thing about this movie is Hitchcock used his his crew that he already had mm -hmm. for this movie. I have an entire page of cinematography notes, and I know you do too. So shall we just like bounce? Yeah, let's bounce. That sounds great. Okay, so we already talked about this. Got to say it again. The ceiling bird's eye shot when the detective comes up the stairs. What? <sighs> It seriously makes me like lose my breath every time. Like I like I gasp every time it happens. Where and I was like, oh, and I was like, David, get in here! I'm gonna play it again. And he's like, okay. And then I played it again. I'm like, look at that. Anyway, like, geez, what? <laughs> I just love it so much. It makes me lose my mind. What about you? Okay, um, you know, well, first of all, I just wanted to say, like, the lighting in this movie is absolutely gorgeous. It's, it's like, flawless, like, how people are lit, the way that, like, certain people are lit or even things are backlit to draw your eye to the place that it's supposed to go to to tell you more of the story. It was amazing. Also, just wanted to say, like, I thought the staging of this movie, you can really see like the influences from theater and stage, like the way that the movie is actually like where the actors stand and where everybody's placed and how they face the camera. Very, very theater. Very cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. We must say the framing of the house on the hill and the motel, that whole thing, mother's silhouette in the window and on the stairs. I mean, oh my God, what? so gorgeous i really love the moment um where marion has stolen the money and you get the shot of the money on the bed the next thing that happens is the camera pulls back it brings you over to the suitcase where she's packing that um like it just it tells you so much story and like what's happening and bring kind of catches you up where it's like she kept the money oh she's also leaving um and just brilliant camera work so cool Okay, so the opening titles, what? And then they're so smoothly transitioning into the wide pane panel through the window of the hotel room, and then that takes you into our first scene. Oh, wow. What? There's no better way to start a movie, I'm just saying. Yeah, and let me tell you, like, Phoenix has never looked that pretty before. Let me tell you, when you get the beautiful shot of Phoenix in the beginning and everything, I'm like, Phoenix is not a pretty city, but it looks great in this movie. Uh, no. Um, anyway, I really like the driving scenes where For she's sure. driving. You know, it's me. It's me driving on the I-19 like every day where I can't uh. see and then it rains and I'm like, I can't see. And like I have voices in my head and I'm freaked out. You know, talking again about Phoenix, our pals at Grim Life did a Psycho Film Locations video a year or two or three. At some point in the last few years, they did that video. And it, obviously the outside scenes and then the back of the hotel from the hill where you can see it. But yeah. they found a parking garage across the street from the hotel they filmed at. 
And so they did that whole reenactment, which is very cool to see in present day. It's still I have there. to watch. Yeah, I have to watch that. It's still there. Also, you talked about driving scenes. <laughs> Gotta say it. The sign where she turns off and takes that wrong turn, which she shouldn't have taken. She should have gone to Bakersfield. <laughs> the, other, the other arrow was going towards yeah. Bakersfield. I, I noticed that. Every time like, I'm going to oh, say wait. that, should have gone to Bakersfield. <laughs> gone to... <laughs> Love that. I have to say, I think the scene with the cop is really tense. The way that the cinematography is, it like it like like had me kind of like on edge. Um, and so you know, you have these great shots where she keeps looking in her mirror and she sees the cop behind her, right? She gets over to the car dealership and like he parks across the street and every shot that we have over to him just kind of like watching her. And then like, you know, you have all this stuff with the car dealership guy. He's kind of figuring it out. But then there's this shot and I had to stop it and just like look at it and like really like tear it into pieces because it was so perfectly shot. There's this shot where you have the three men standing there. Okay, it's the sheriff. It's the car dealership guy in the middle. And then there's like the mechanic, right? And Janet's leaving. Um, the leading lines created by these guys is like perfect photography. There's backlighting behind. The the line actually continues to the cop car and then goes off screen. Um, the way that the man in the middle, the dealership guy, he's in white and he's lit in a way that you are drawn to his face because his face is having the realization that like, oh yeah, something was weird about this woman. Like I maybe shouldn't have sold her this car. But that shot. Said, that's the first time a customer has ever high pressured a salesman. Yes. Or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> that, that fucking car salesman. Um, but he was hilarious. California Charlie. <laughs> I know. But anyway, that shot is just like, it's so, just the mastery of like the art is so clear in that shot. It's just set up perfectly in every way. Piggybacking off of that, those cops' glasses, those mirrored glasses. Yeah. All, mirrored glasses are super creepy. They're really creepy. They're yeah. really creepy. So they, they were super creepy on him. Fun fact, according to, I can't remember who said this. It's been a long time. Either his daughter or his assistant said Hitchcock was, like, very afraid of police officers. Apparently he had a bad experience. So that. that's why that was put in there is that character. Oh, love that. Um, I mean, obviously, there's some good hallway kind of action in this movie. There's, <laughs> um, there's this particular hallway moment that I really love. So you're actually looking through the frames, like you're looking down a hall and like, Norman walks back. I think it's probably to his parlor or something. He goes back to the back. And so he like walks through this. You watch him walk through this hallway. And then he sits right in the middle at a table. And it's really gorgeous how it all looks. And then later in the movie when Lila, is that her name? The sister? Mm -hmm. When she comes, there's a shot where she's sitting at the same table down that hallway. And it's really gorgeous. Okay. This might be my favorite single shot in the entire movie. I don't know why. <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting on how they accomplished it. I don't even know. It was in the shower scene, but it's the the frame where the camera is directly under the shower head and the water is coming out around the camera, but not hitting the camera. How'd they do that? They made a special shower head. Oh, is that how they did that? Yeah, they made, they actually built like a special shower head that mm -hmm. like, so the water, you know, the, basically the water wouldn't hit the camera directly, mm -hmm. But it created that. So they built that specially to create that moment. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs> so the, worth it. 
the whole shower scene is crazy. Um, I can't remember the name of the documentary, but there's like a documentary or a short or something where they take you through like every moment of that of that scene and like kind of break it down. And I recommend that. It's pretty cool to see it all like step by step. Um, okay, some other stuff I really liked. I just have to say that shot of Norman at the end, we talked about it a little bit, how perfectly it is with Mother and what's going on there. But like just beautiful and the way he looks right to the camera the smile all of it is just such a great way to end a fucking movie <laughs> such a great I way just to end got the movie thinking about yeah, i know it. everything about it the dialogue that's over it but then his eyes going here his eyes going there the smile yes. everything how he acted it was awesome compared i mean in contrast to what they had playing in the voiceover which was awesome too all righty um shower eyeball what oh yeah are you talking about it's when you get the drain That's the only and... thing i don't remember oh i remember it there's like there's the blood going into the drain and then from the drain i think from the drain you go to janet's eyeball and it's a really <sighs> cool shot because it's like drain to eyeball and her eyes all open and dead and beautiful right so good <laughs> um and 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 i want to throw this in too because it's part of the whole thing but having someone enter into the bathroom through the shower curtain was awesome yeah yeah it was <laughs> what else um just like all these moments of dialogue between like two characters again just like the lighting and the way that they were staged like really impactful in those scenes so i really like um the scene where sam is basically interrogating norman norman's like kind of sitting um maybe at his desk at the motel and sam's on the other side one of them is in like a darker color one of them's in a lighter color and then just the way that they're lit kind of like reflects the color of their shirt um so i just thought that was really gorgeous too also the moments in the beginning with marion and sam i really like how they shoot them together um mm -hmm. that whole scene was really romantic and sweet i just have to say and kind of sad too because you're like oh just wanted to work out for you two kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah how about let's let's go back let's go back to the final shot of norman and sitting there and his face is there and then he kind of turns into like a superimposed human skull situation yes. but then it but then going further it dissolves into the shot of them pulling marion's car out of the swamp and fun fact the chain is placed so that it appears to be moving through where norman slash mother's heart would be symbolically showing that they are tied together so dope like all the little details in the cinematography is amazing because like that's that's pretty much like my main little like pull out kind of like moments but i will just say overall the cinematography is used as a storytelling element in this movie it's used as a special effects element in this movie like the cinematography alone just does so much to tell the story of this movie and it's like brilliant I, again i had to pause like multiple shots just to like break them down and look at them because just perfect perfect photo like rules <laughs> seriously i i don't have any more notes but i have some fun facts on cinematography can i say them yeah let's do it so fun fact in the shower scene there were two split seconds of frame where the knife touches marion's body doesn't touch yep. her at all after that um the shower scene has over 90 splices in it i know it's Jeez, wild. how long did that take to edit and none involved anthony perkins he wasn't there nope. at all 
he was practicing for a play i think and so um he yeah he said when he saw when he first saw it it scared him too because he's like i wasn't a part of that even though like i'm you know i'm associated with that that was my double (laughs) you know another fun fact that has been denied that he was doing a play some people said he was and some people said he wasn't so i don't really know what he was doing but yeah i mean kind of like the conflicting information about um you know where vera miles is today and when she passed no idea too many too many different stories going on and they're not here to tell Mm. us about it exactly last but not least that high angle that we love so much for um albert guest's murder and then the shot of norman carrying mother into the fruit cellar the camera was placed in a cage and hung from the rails on the ceiling what so cool yeah i I fucking love that so cool (laughs) that's all i got you got anything else i think oh okay so there's something i read i don't know enough about cameras to tell you exactly you know what the effect is but apparently apparently from the internet apparently they used a 50 millimeter lens on a 35 millimeter camera at least for some of this and apparently the effect that they were going for by doing that was to um, kind of implicate the audience as voyeurs as well is how I read it. So it was supposed to kind of give like a voyeuristic kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know enough about cameras to know like what that involves and what that looks like or anything, but just something I thought was interesting. I read that the shower scene took a week to shoot. That's true. They've said mm-hmm. it in interviews. Yeah. That is That's true. A third of, whole third of Janet Lee's time yep. on this set was doing that. that scene. Yep. That's all. Yep. Okay, special effects. Doesn't matter what happened. What matters is what looks like what happened. And what looks like what happened is pretty nasty. Our effects guy, Clarence Champagne, I did the birds and the trail of Robin Hood from 1950, but that's all. Wow. That's it. Well, the birds looks great and this looks great. There's not a whole lot of like, gore if you will a lot of the special effects i think were done cinematically but yeah and there's not gore of course they couldn't have gore yeah. back then i wish we had a decapitation i, really I know i know again <laughs> i read that hitchcock just said oh oh dear or, oh no we can't cut off janet lee's head <laughs> but why didn't they do that for the remake 1998 we had plenty of decapitations by then in film why it's a shot by shot so they really so they were like nope can't do it shot by shot but it's like if they would have added that that would have bumped that movie up a little bit for me but i want a fat norman and a decapitation <laughs> keep manifesting keep manifesting girl <sighs> maybe, maybe, one day, maybe one day i don't have a lot of effects notes um except for, fun fact, the shot of the knife appearing to enter Marion's abdomen was achieved by pressing it against her body so that there was a dent in her skin. So, and then they withdrew it and played it backwards so it looked like it was going in. So cool. I did read that the blood they used in the shower was like a chocolate syrup, kind of, just because, you know, they were like, that'll show up better in the black and white and it's going to look good. It was Bosco, which is the same um, stuff they used for uh, Night of the Living Dead. Mm Mm-hmm um let's see here and that's one of the things that um kyra took away from night of the living dead she said bosco is delicious <laughs> that's what she just said love it yeah like hmm. 
Good stuff. Okay, uh, music. Music is my life. <laughs> Harp, Bernard Herman. Passed in 1975 at 64 years old. Aww. Oh my God. Citizen Kane, Fahrenheit 451, Twilight Zone theme. And how yeah. often has Psycho been used and Twilight Zone score been used in films and movies so and TV much. shows? And what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even I heard parts listening to the score for the first time really breaking it down friday the 13th part two completely ripped it off with their angry violins it sounded exactly the same oh you can hear its influence in so many scores like i i, I definitely could see that now that you know you mentioned that one i could see that one listen again enough. yeah and, i and, will and then, and then think about friday part two because you love yeah. part two i do and it's my fave the same yeah no, you can hear you can hear hints of that psycho theme and that you can hear it all over the place. I mean, it's I would say that that moment um, musically is one of the most like cinematic, iconic, like movie music moments ever. Uh, people who have not seen Psycho still understand what that sound is and where it comes from. Yeah. And that was achieved that specific uh, sound of the like the knife. Yeah. Shrieks was achieved by using only violins, mm -hmm. sawing the same note over and over and over again. That's it. So cool. And the score is so unique because they only had strings. No yeah. other types of instruments. Only strings. So that's pretty neat. So cool. Yeah. And I, you know, I know that Hitchcock gave like major props to, um, major props to the music in the composer you know for his part in it i think they actually increased his salary i think hitchcock even went as far as to say like i don't know like he gave a percentage like th 35 or 40 percent of this the effectiveness of this movie is because of the score i mm -hmm. forget what he said exactly but yeah it'd be yeah. different without i apparently he didn't at first he didn't want music during the shower scene yeah mm -hmm. yeah it would be different i love it that it's not a um i love it so it's just a bunch of shrieks yeah. So good. So good. Like Black Christmas did similar things with their wails and shrieks. So it's like it's so good. So it's it's so effective. Totally. Totally. That's <clears throat> all I got. You got anything else? Um, I was just gonna say, like, overall, there's some other points in the music where, you know, you get these really beautiful, like kind of cinematic swells that I really love. And um, I did note that like the peephole moment, um, the strings get this like high, like really high tense, like sound to mm, them. And mm. I like loved it. It was really like, oh, this is creepy and intense. <laughs> but I loved mm -hmm. it. All right. Aging. Stand the test of time. Classic. It's 1960. You can't hide that, but it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's obviously... You know, it's obviously from yesteryear, um, <laughs> 1960, but um, I really think that this is a movie that is just aged and so well, like, it still looks fucking mm -hmm. fantastic. It really does. Like, you, you watch it today and you're like, okay, I get it. Okay, I get why, I get why people freak out about Psycho. It's still a beautiful, beautiful film. So oh, it yeah. ages really well. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Nothing else to add on that. But um, what about your twists? Yeah, I thought she was dead. She looked dead, man. Still does. 
I do have some. Um, let's see. Just, uh, just, uh, just one or two, right? <laughs> yeah, but I added some of my other, like, it's not really a twist, but we'll go with it. Um, okay, Sam's not available. She wants to marry him. What's going on there? Um, okay. And then the freeway moved, you know, or highway mm-hmm. or whatever. So business has been bad. So she, Marion is the only guest at the hotel that night. Norman has mommy issues. <laughs> oh, mother was killed. Mommy's not alive anymore. Oh, mother is dead from a murder-suicide? Wait, Norman is mother. Wait, Norman is gone. It's just mother in there now. And he killed mother and her lover. Attraction brings out mom. Because that came up in the little explanation of things. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, pacing. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? Funny thing. I was talking to my coworker about this movie last night, telling him that yeah. we're doing this episode. And he's like, and it's not a long movie. And I said, but it is. It's almost two hours long. It doesn't yeah, feel it like is. it, though. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think because, like, and it's not like an action-packed movie, right? There's a lot right. of tension in it that I think, like, keeps you keeps you really pulled in. Mm-hmm. But um, I think some things are really good for the pacing. Like, for one, we have that amazing, like, main character switch in, like, the middle of the movie where our lead, Marion, gets killed. And then we switch to a whole different... Then we're following Lila's story and we're following Sam more again. I think that, like, that switch, sometimes that doesn't work in movies when you switch kind of, like, the main focus character. But in this one, it really worked. And it really kind of, like, reinvigorates, like, the pace, too. Like, it brings you into a whole new, like, kind of chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the dialogue is so good, mm-hmm. you know? Even in those moments in the beginning when it's just Marion and Sam, like, having these moments, yeah. like, you know, I'll have when um, when... I'll have you, um, you know, lick the stamps on my ex-wife's, ex-wife's alimony or whatever. Um, these little moments are really, really, like, draw you into mm-hmm. just the human moments of it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we know I have a hard time paying attention to movies or anything that lasts more than two seconds. Yeah. And this one <laughs> kept me in the book, kept me in, too. My mind didn't really wander when I was reading the book. Yeah. So it's just, it's it's really good. It's just really, really, really good. If you can keep me in for two hours, it's like, whew, that's good. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> I know a lot of people have been afraid to take a shower after this movie, including Janet Lee. What about you? Um, it didn't scare me to take a shower, but I did read that Janet uh, was like, wow, women are really vulnerable in the shower. I never realized this until this. I don't want to take showers anymore. I think I'll just take baths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, you know, this one isn't scary for me per se, but like I can imagine what it must have been like to see this movie on the big screen when it came out. That must have been a scary movie when it came out. I think that probably did scare people. Um And of course, you know, Hitchcock with his marketing um, was really great. He did the marketing thing with this one where it's like he um, on the posters or whatever, it said, you you can't miss even a second of this movie or whatever. Right. And so um, theaters would literally not let people come in late. You know, you you had to get in when the movie started and they Mm -hmm. closed the doors and that was it. So it was this feeling of like, ooh, like there's so much so much I have to see. I can't even miss a second of this. There's like this exclusivity. Um, So that's brilliant. 
You know, also why he did that is hmm. because Janet Lee was top billing and she gets killed off halfway through. He was worried that if people were, because she was already a star, he was yeah. worried that if people showed up halfway through, like they did, then they'd miss Janet Lee entirely and wonder where the fuck she's at. Yeah, that too. So <laughs> that, yeah, that was a thing so too. Yeah, so I imagine that it was really scary for people at the time to see it, especially because it was provocative, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a shower, you see her midsection, you see, I mean, she's naked, you understand that the character is naked. Um, so that, all of that combined must have been really scary when it came out. I mean, mm -hmm. I will say the the concepts that it touches on about, like, humans and people, like, that can get kind of scary if you think about it, but yeah didn't didn't have me clutching my blanket or anything no but even even today i know people who saw this as a modern movie and it frightened them so much like even west from it's a horror podcast he's traumatized by this movie he said it before that he saw this movie when he was a kid you know and he was afraid to use the toilet because he was afraid to go into the bathroom because the shower was there and there's someone behind that shower curtain uh, now that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I will say that like- <laughs> It is, right? It is, it is. Like to traumatize somebody with what you created is such a beautiful gift. Like if that is your gift, <laughs> share it with the world. Like traumatize us, please. You have a beautiful gift. Um, no, I think like Hitchcock was a master of taking things that appeared in our daily lives, taking mm -hmm. things that are benign, really. Like a shower is a pretty benign thing if you think about it. But then if you think about it even deeper, it's a true moment of like deep vulnerability, mm -hmm. like a sense of safety that could be disrupted. And, you mm -hmm. know, um, that is, yeah, just a master at making these kind of things that are benign and normal in our lives, like really scary. 100%. Beautiful. It's so great. It's so great. Story. Tell us the story. What story? Yours. Oh, I mean, I have such a deep love for this novel. And they did such a good job in adapting it. I mean, the store is perfect. Perfect. To me, perfect. I really need to read the book. You know, when I found out that this was based on a book, and I did read that it was a pretty um, a pretty spot-on adaptation, with the exception of some of the changes that we talked about. So I really have to read it. But the story is amazing on this one. There's a reason that this has, like, been an iconic movie all these years and will continue to be an iconic movie long after we're gone. You know what I mean? Um, part of that is because the story is so good. It's timeless. just, like, so human timeless. and timeless. And mm -hmm. it really, um, yeah, it just really speaks to the fact that uh, the greatest monster of all are people, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yourself. Yeah, exactly. But like the acting is flawless. I really bought all the characters. Um, I really bought the story, I guess, from the characters. I believed like every second of it. Absolutely. And the changes they made from book to screen didn't impact story. They were just no. minor details. It wasn't yeah. story related at all. So it all works out so well and it's so good. It's so perfect. Killing your main character off halfway through. I mean... We've seen it done more often now, but back then, never. So good. Never. It was unheard of to take your, I mean, it's like Drew Barrymore and Scream, except you get it at the beginning, you know, but they, that was borrowed from Psycho for sure, because like, that's a really, that's a really risky choice to make 
when you get the audience to develop feelings and relate and care about a character and that is your top billing lady i mean even just... terrifier <laughs> terrifier yeah. one yeah. halfway at half the halfway mark just like this one gone what yep. and you're like oh what <laughs> and we already killed off our other leading lady who we assumed is our leading lady so naturally mm -hmm. we assume that homegirl's going to make it till the end but no in comes our real lead anyway yeah yeah genius okay hey jamie yes do you have taglines i know you do This movie is from 1960, so um, it has had time. It has had time to pick up some taglines <laughs> along the way. I'm gonna take a sip of my drink. Um, I do not expect you guys to pick a favorite because there's a lot of um, some of these are paragraphs. So just hang in there, folks. I'm just gonna <laughs> run through them like we're at an auction house. Okay. okay. The picture you must see from the beginning or not at all for no one will be seated after the start of Hitchcock's Greatest Shocker, Psycho. <laughs> An Alfred Hitchcock masterpiece. The essential Alfred Hitchcock. No one, but no one will be admitted to the theater after the start of each performance of Psycho. They really like harbored on that mm -hmm. whole thing. Okay. A new kind of drama and excitement from the screen's master of suspense as his cameras move into the icy blackness of the unexplored. I like that one. I do too. A new and altogether different screen excitement. Um, okay, here we go again. No one, but no one, <laughs> will be admitted to the theater after the start of each performance of Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. I love the but no one. Yeah, I know. And it's all caps. Okay. Yeah. It is required that you see Psycho from the very beginning. Exclamation points, capitalize things. It's crazy. Don't give away the ending. It's the only one we have. Oh, I like that. I do. That's my favorite I in like general in too. life. Just I, in life, yeah. I know. So that is my official tagline now. Okay. The screen master of suspense moves his camera into the icy blackness of the unexplained. That's just a variation of the other one. I hate when they do that. Okay, they change like one word or the punctuation. Yeah. This is this is the Australian release um, one. Electrifying shocker. The master of suspense moves his cameras into the icy blackness of the unexplored. There we go again. Oh my God. Okay. Exploring the blackness of the subconscious man. <laughs> I like that one. That one's good. And then this is the 1965 reissue. It's back. <laughs> I had to note that this was a reissue tagline, okay? Really? This doesn't make any sense for the movie. No. And then this is the 1968 re-release. See the version TV didn't dare show. Oh my god. Well, that's it. So really, it's just like a variation. There's like four variations of one, three variations of another. And then we just have the gym that is don't give away the ending. It's the only one we have. Well, speaking of spoilers, I know that one of the fun facts I read was that Hitchcock tried really hard to keep the the story and the ending under wraps and make it a surprise. I actually read, I don't know if it's true, I read that he tried to go out and buy as many of the novels as he could because he didn't want as he didn't want anybody to read it and get the get it all spoiled for them. But I think it was still spoiled. Um I think that like 
I read that um, despite his efforts to kind of keep the twist, if you will, um, under wraps, that that did get out, that like um, a newspaper or something like kind of like spoiled it before the movie came out. But he tried really hard to keep it not spoiled. Well, I don't know if they said it about the book, because that is true according to people saying it. So it's not just an internet fact. People who were involved said that he did buy as many copies of the book as he could. It was a new book. It had not been out for forever, so it was brand new. Yeah. So that is true according to people in his life and in the production. But reviewers were not allowed to screen this movie. They had that too. pissed them off. They had to watch it with the general public on opening night and they were required to watch it on opening night or something like that. But they were not allowed to watch this movie before at all. He really, he really made efforts to try to keep that a, like a good surprise for viewers. I, I applaud him for that. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, cause you know, it's, it's like, if you watch the sixth sense and you already know what happened, which is how I watched it, because by the time that I watched it, Everybody had already said it. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, this is the whole movie, you know? So it's one of those things where, like, that twist is really, like, key to this movie. And so it's like, I can see why he was like, oh, I don't want that to be spoiled for people. I remember a reviewer in my hometown newspaper. I don't know if this was a syndicated article or if this was a local. Totally said what happened in the success, like, Hey, asshole. I know. And it's like, dude, that changes everything now. Because, like, that's one of those movies when you watch it the first time, if you don't know, it's a whole different experience than mm-hmm. all the other times that you watch it. Because you only yep. get that surprise twist the one time, if you're lucky. <laughs> it's true. And this is why in the last 10 years, maybe a little more, I do not read anything about a movie. I do not watch a trailer even. If I know I'm going to watch a movie, I'm not even I'm not going to watch your trailer because mm-hmm. I want to go in come 100% blind. I don't want any ideas of what I'm about to see in this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm on the fence about if I'm going to see a movie, I'll watch the trailer to make up my mind. But yeah. If I know, like Scream, I know I'm going to watch this movie. Terrifier, I know I'm going to watch this movie. I will not watch a trailer and I will not read anything about it. I don't want to know. La 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 la. Don't tell me. Nope, nope. Anytime someone starts talking, nope, no, 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 I'm not listening. So that's literally how I react like I'm 12. (laughs) Yeah, because if you, a certain movie is like, man, you get it spoiled. It's like, that's some trailers give away way too much. Some really do. Some you watch it and you're like, that is why I stopped watching them because that happened in the movie. I don't even remember what movie it was. It wasn't like. I don't even think it was a thriller or a mystery or anything. So it wasn't like that big of a deal, but I felt like I saw the entire movie in this two minute trailer and I didn't need to see the movie now. Yeah. You don't want to give it all away. And so I was like, you gave the best parts in this two minutes. So what's the point? So that's when I realized my movie going experience is going to be much more enjoyable if I go in blind. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to go, just go in Mm open-minded just let the movie take you where it's going to take you. And if you don't like it, fine. But at least now you don't go into it thinking, oh, I'm not going to like this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Okay. It's about that time. Overall movie rating. Okay. I have very mixed feelings on this for myself, which is crazy. So I'm going to let you give me your rating and then I'm going to go on a tangent. Okay, sure. So um, honestly, this one's like a little hard for me to rate because, um, okay, so I will say... I do think this is a 10 movie. I do. 
Um, it's classic. It's iconic. It's beautiful in every single way from like how it's shot to how the lines are delivered. Um, the lighting, like everything about it is so beautiful. And in my mind, I really do consider it to be like a perfect movie. I do now, but for me personally, although I love this movie, I have a lot of love for it. I do consider it to be a 10. Um, for me, my personal rating, it's probably going to be a nine um, instead. Um, and that's just because it's not like my favorite favorite. It's um, it is a Holy Grail movie, but not necessarily a personal Holy Grail movie to me. There are others that are holier, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, but again, all that being said, I think Psycho is 100% a 10 movie. But for me, it's probably more like a nine. I am with you there, though, a little bit more of a drastic contrast. So everything you said, this is a 10 movie. Everything it did for horror. And so early on, mm-hmm. the acting, the cinematography. Oh, my God. Everything about this movie. Yeah. This is a 10 movie for what it's done for our favorite genre, our bread and butter. All the influences that it had over our favorite movies now, our favorite modern movies. Yeah, it's like the ultimate proto-slasher. So it's a 10 movie in general, but for me personally, it's like a seven. seven. Okay. I'm giving it, I'm going with a seven. And honestly, that seven is new. That seven, I talked about it earlier in the episode. I discovered new appreciation for this movie this week, doing my homework and also rereading the book for the first time in so long my rating went up before this might have been like a four or a five (sighs) don't hate me send all hate mail to me um (laughs) before my homework and before i reread this book for the first time in 20 years this was a very middle of the road movie for me this was not my favorite i've only like i said i've only seen it a handful of times in the last 30 years so it's a 10 movie my new current rating is a seven it's going to be very interesting maybe to come back to this in five years. All right. And revisit and see if it's gone up. Because by then we will have had time to do all the others. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I know this answer, Jamie. You've seen them all, all four, not including Bates Motel, right? I haven't seen Bates Motel. I actually haven't seen part three. I've seen part one and part two. And four? I haven't seen three. Four. Four's the prequel with Henry Thomas. I haven't and, seen that oh. one either. Just one and two. Oh, girl, you blew my mind. Oh my god. I know. I know. I thought. I thought we talked about this last time we were talking about. It. I'm like, I haven't seen three. I haven't seen. Well, four I knew you hadn't that. seen three, but four. I haven't seen it. Mm-mm. I'm so excited. <laughs> um. So. Two is my favorite of the entire franchise, including the Two remake. is so good. I love two. I really like three, and that's a very unpopular opinion. I really enjoy part three a lot. Okay. Part four is different. It is a prequel. It is modern. It was made, I think, in 91, 92, maybe 90, 1990. I'm not sure. So Psycho original might be my number two or my number three in the favorite of the whole franchise. I think my raking order right now, without doing homework on any of these others, would be Psycho 2, Psycho Part 3, and Original Tide, Psycho 4, Bates Motel Remake. Bates Motel the movie, not the show. Gotcha. Okay. It's going to be hard for me to decide on 
if part two or part one is my favorite because I really, really love them both. As you know, I am a huge part two fan. Mm -hmm. I fucking love part two like so fucking much. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Eli Roth's History of Horror on Shudder. It's a really great show. I want them to come out with another season already because I've already watched them all like twice. Okay. <laughs> I love my documentary horror shows and Shudder is <clears throat> the best of them. Um, but I just rewatched the episode they do on sequels because mm. man, I love me some horror sequels. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that is definitely one of them that they highlighted. I mean, Quentin Tarantino himself was even like, hey, Anthony Perkins did masterful acting in part one. But I would argue that in part two, he does even better. Um, so he was saying, you know, Quentin Tarantino himself was saying that he thought that Anthony Perkins' performance in part two is one of the greatest, like, horror performances of all time. And I'm like, it's kind of right. It's really good. So right now I'm leaning towards part two being my favorite, but it's really close. Um, I, I, have to, you, I have to decide when I watch it again and really I can tell apart. you right now, no hesitation. Part two is my favorite. It's so good. 100%. I love it. I just love, love so much. I love the arc and we'll save a lot of this for the movie, but I just, I love like Norman's story in it mm -hmm. and his performance is so fucking good. Like the story is just so good in part two. Like, and they, they, they just went about it the right way because imagine how terrifying that would have been to take on doing another psycho all these years after too, where so it's like, long. this is like one of the most iconic movies in just American cinema right mm -hmm. and so it's like it's hitchcock it's like again a holy grail movie for so many people the thought of taking that on must have been really intimidating and the route that they took the direction that they took was the perfect way to go about it so anyway yeah part two yeah. we love part two around here guys it's really good <laughs> yeah it's 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 definitely my favorite i don't even have to guess i know it is and the fact that we got Lila back and the actress who I plays know. her back and then Meg Tilly so back. Uh, Anthony Perkins is amazing. Um, uh, you feel so sorry for him. And I know. <laughs> isn't Dennis Franz in it too? Like, it's been a long time, but. Yeah, it's been a while for me too. I haven't I can't... I watched this movie more recently. It's so good. Uh, I know. It's so good. It's so it's good. It's so good. It's seriously the best. Anyway, um, I can't wait guys you know you know what's coming in the next few months we're going to be doing the rest of our psychos <laughs> it has to happen now we've opened up the floodgate of psycho <laughs> in the next six months we're doing the rest of them i've, I've decided this without even consulting jamie we're doing we've it gone, we've gone a little mad here guys okay <laughs> Summer's lost her damn mind <laughs> <laughs> it happens to everybody though okay everybody just goes a little mad sometimes what's what was my what was the quote sometimes just one time can be enough yes <laughs> we obviously haven't hit our threshold yet <laughs> not even close anyway it's time for fun facts that's the fact jack that's the fact jack Jamie, I know you got fun facts up the wazoo on this one, so I'm going to let you lead, and then if I have anything new that you don't say, I'll filter that in. Yeah, so I mean, we talked about a lot of the fun facts throughout already, so we went through a lot of mine that I had. Um, I honestly wanted to watch the making of DVD on my DVD, but I did not have time this week because I was really busy, but I will I watch it later. that version i got this four pack of mm -hmm. all four movies 
Okay. And so there's no features. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll like send it to you sometimes so you can borrow it and watch it. Cause it has a, this is a two disc, it's like special edition that I have. Mm-hmm. So it comes with a whole disc of goodies. It has a whole making of featurette. It, um, it has some scene breakdowns. Um, trying to remember some of the other really cool things. It had some like original trailers um, that were made for it. So yeah, sometime I will send that to you so you can check it out, but I have to check it out. This one just has newsreel footage of the original release. That um, one has that too. The shower Mm -hmm. scene, behind the scenes photos, not any documentaries, lobby cards, and the trailer. And that's it. Yeah, so when I'm done watching it, I'll send it to you to watch because um, I bet it's cool. I know. Um, but let's see. Okay, so some of the other facts that I had read, um, I did read that um, they made it for around eight 800000 Anthony Perkins was 28 at the time, mm-hmm. uh, in case anybody was interested, because he's like young and foxy's fucking this. So just Seriously. wanted to mention it. Um, you know, I did read that, and it would not surprise me with Hitchcock. I did read that um, to scare Janet, he did put mother in her dressing room at a couple different times and places. <laughs> That's a fact. She said it herself. I could see that. I'm like, that sounds like him. He likes to put people through a little bit of psychological torture on a set. Psycho. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, The actors got to improv a little bit, which is historically something that Hitchcock didn't really do a lot of. Really? Um, But they were saying that there's like, there's physicality things that happen, things especially that Anthony Perkins does in it, as well as Janet, um, that were improvised. He really let them kind of take the take the wheel a little bit more than he has on other movies so it was just talking about how um the genuine kind of feeling of those characters was because they did have a little bit of room to ad lib so there's that um and then of course uh you know it was the first toilet flush featured in an american movie um and it was something where i read that the cinematographer really wanted to include the toilet for realism right because they're in a bathroom there's a shower and everything that they were basically like We have to make sure that that scene is integral Mm -hmm. to the plot, like to Mm -hmm. the story. Otherwise, there's no way they're going to let us keep this toilet in. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why they had, that's why they have Marion tear up that thing with the amount of the money and flush it. Because that meant that they could keep that toilet in because it was, it's an integral plot point. Because then when Sam and Lila come back, they find the little piece of paper with the number, um, the dollar amount. That she ripped up and that's threw so in the toilet. good. Yeah, so that's um. Whoa, I know it's so genius because it's like Hitchcock understood that they were not going to be able to like slide with that unless they made it really integral oh. and important to the movie. So that's how that toilet is in there. Fine it's, blown. It's pretty amazing. So I was like, that's cool. Okay, surface so toilet flush. Um, and they fought for that. And fun fact for me personally about you, Jamie, one of the very first videos I saw you do on Instagram before we were like buddies for like good friends. I know. When I fell, when I fell in love with you, you talked about <laughs> Psycho in the toilet. I did. And this, I did. this was way before I knew you had a love for toilet terror. So I know. It was before I knew I had a love for toilet terror. <laughs> that didn't that didn't even fully evolve until I came onto the show and then like the light bulb like went off and shattered where I was like, 
Oh, geez. I like toilet terror. What does that say about me? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was one of the videos that made me fall in love with your personality. Was you talking about Psycho? It was like really, really early on in your Instagram journey. It was really early on. I remember it was like a really early on one. I had to do like multiple takes of that one because yeah, anyway, toilets. I love them when they're scary. (laughs) (laughs) Another fact I had, because I, as I was watching this, I saw the R rating go across the screen and I was like, R rating? And I'm like, really? Um, So this was actually given an R rating in 1984. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really interesting that it um, post-movie so many years, it got the R rating. And I actually read, and I don't know if it's true or not because I didn't check it, but I read that it is the oldest movie with an R rating. I don't that, know if that's true. That tracks. But I think it is. Yeah. Honestly, that makes sense because it wasn't, this is not, Jaws is PG. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, Way more frightening, it, way more violent. And even I was, I read that too. And I was looking at my DVDs and mine says R. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I got the updated rating on this one. Yeah. And I think that is the majority of fun facts that I had. We already went over the rest of them that I had. I got more. First of all, there are so many fun facts out there. So many. I, I kind of tapped out and gave up after a while because there's I so same many. actually. <laughs> um, 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 do you know why this was filmed in black and white when color was a thing already? Uh, well, I, uh, for one, I tell us read, more. <laughs> yeah, uh, for one, I read that Hitchcock thought it would be too gory in color, mm-hmm. and then I also read that it was um, less expensive to do it in black and white. That is a fact, but it is the gory thing that is actually mm-hmm. very true because yeah. all these other movies were colorized already. Yep. Not mm-hmm. only color, not colorized, because that means you made it into color. They were already filming in color. Yep. Shot in color. This was normal now. And they were even colorizing movies. Yeah. That were, we're at black and white already. So, yeah. Yeah. Too gory, which makes sense because if you see the blood that's red, it's it's a lot more visceral for sure it is yeah the american film institute ranked norman bates as number two in the top 50 greatest movie villains who's number one Hannibal lecter okay really hmm and again this was done in 2003 so it's 20 years old okay all right i mean two is a pretty good ranking i'd really have to think about it if it thought norman or hector was or Hector, <laughs> Hannibal. Hector. <laughs> that Hector is a is a villainous man. You know funny though, is that sounded not Hector. To me. I know. I'm like, oh my god. I'm sorry. It's a beautiful name. I've known so many great Hector's. I, I wasn't apologize. even going to argue with that. I was like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> okay, so that's a fact. Apparently, this is the internet. I don't know. Hitchcock was so pleased with the score that Bernard Herrmann wrote that he doubled the composer's salary. Read that too. I'm not sure. You know, but that's there. After the movie's release, Hitchcock received angry letters from the father of a girl who refused to have a bath after seeing Diabolique in 1955 and now refused to take a shower. (laughs) And apparently, Hitchcock sent a note back saying send her to the dry cleaners <laughs> i love it <laughs> um we talked Hitchcock about- didn't give a fuck man he didn't give a fuck <laughs> at all. 
this is true, the MPA objected to the use of the term transvestite as to mm -hmm. describe Norman in the final wrap-up, and they insisted that this was an actual medical term, and they actually had to prove it. Yeah, I read they, that too. Which they did. At the end of the shower scene, the first few seconds had to be like edited as far as framing goes because apparently Hitchcock's wife saw Janet's vein throbbing in her throat, her pulse. Oh, and she was like, oh my word, clutching yeah. her pearls but, like, oh, but the missus, the missus worked in editing. Oh. So she's used to paying attention to things like that. That was her mm -hmm. career way back. So she was. This is what she does for a living. She finds things like this. So mm -hmm. it would make sense that she would pick that out. It does make sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I put question marks next to this because I wasn't sure. Um, Marley Renfro was the unbilled nude double for Janet Lee. Um, I know she had a double. I do too. Yeah. But I don't mm -hmm. know who this person was. But apparently this Marley person was featured on a Playboy cover in September 1960. And apparently also that cover, she was pictured taking a shower. Oh, okay. Now I can see it. I read that she made like 500 bucks for it or something for it's doing pretty that. pretty good in 1960. I was going to say, that's a pretty penny in 1960. That's not bad. So I'm like, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a good chunk of change back then. Jamie, did you know that in the novel, the character's name is Mary Crane, but they changed it to Marion because there was already real people named Mary Crane who lived in Phoenix. I did read that and I thought that was awesome. I'm like, oh, they wanted to they wanted to protect the good name of the Mary Cranes who lived in Phoenix. They didn't want anybody to mistake one of those Mary Cranes for the secretary who took $40,000. I mean, could ruin your rep, just saying. Yeah. It's so funny, too, because Phoenix is a huge city now. Like, it's one of the top 10 largest cities in the country now, both in population and, like, geographically. <laughs> so it's like now it's like it's so hard to imagine any movie being like, OK, we got to check. Are there any Mary? Are there any Mary <laughs> Cranes in Phoenix? That would take forever to mm -hmm. find out, I feel like. <laughs> and it works so well because when I was rereading this book, it didn't even occur to me. Mm -hmm. It didn't, I didn't notice that. I had to read about that. I said, oh yeah. Didn't even notice. Mary, yeah. Yep. Marion's a name I love too. I think oh. Marion is a beautiful, beautiful name. I wish it was more popular today. I don't feel like it's a popular name anymore, but I think Marion is like oh, such a beautiful name. The theater nerd in me is singing Marion the Librarian from The Music Man right now. <laughs> I love The Music Man. <laughs> It's a whole song about it. I know. <laughs> oh, righty. Um, the car dealership in this movie was a used car lot near Universal Studios. And since the Ford Motor Company was a sponsor of Alfred Hitchcock Presents in 1955, the lot replaced a lot of the cars with shiny Fords and Mercuries. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And... And in 1992, this movie was selected for preservation by the Library of Congress at the National Film Registry. Awesome. And that's it. I mean, there's a million trillion other fun, fun facts out there, but too many. Like, my brain, like, almost exploded. I had to stop after, like, a while. After, like, an hour, I had to stop. I was, I was like, I'm done. So done. Serious. 
totally tapped There's out. There's so many fun facts about this one out there, which it's like, that's so cool. I'm so glad that like, you know, um, like a lot of the actors and people involved over time have shared, you know, some of these like little facts and behind the scenes moments because I mean, it's just like, it's a historical movie. So it's cool to have all that like attached history to it. I know I'm going out of order here. Can I talk about another cinematography scene that I forgot that I've screenshotted in my yeah. phone to pay attention to and I yes. didn't write it down because I'm an idiot? Go for it. I love so much. I love, 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 love the scene when they're having a fight at the end between Norma Norman and Sam uh. and his disrobing of the wig and the dress ripping open and beautiful oh i have one note i wanted to add too in my original notes there was one point where i just wrote acting semicolon fuck <laughs> i had another music note this is the most this is the odds and ends segment <laughs> odds and ends yep part of the score was used in star wars what we talked about how many times not not to the point where you'd recognize it right not to the point where i think it was star wars pretty sure it was star wars not to the point where i just took a screenshot of it so i remember to go back and i never did to get the full details in my brain um so not to the point where they used the whole score it's just yeah three brief beats of music wow interesting but the composer said this was used by star wars intentionally you know with permission they didn't steal it yeah but yeah they they used that those three beats for sure it was awesome so cool <laughs> so, good. so cool oh okay i could talk psycho all damn day after uh, my whole week of being immersed in psycho uh, but if i do i will go mad so let's yeah. bring on <laughs> Nina, before we do shout outs, to have her talk about Psycho some. Hey. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> okay so nina when's the first time you've seen psycho i don't remember honestly i don't remember um it's pretty much always been a part of my life though like i i knew the music before i ever saw the movie um yeah. my theater teacher in high school was obsessed with alfred hitchcock like obsessed Aww. and um in the spring we had this murder mystery series that he would do and we would always before the show would start we would play the music over and over again from psycho that's so cute. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Theater teachers are cool, man. Theater yeah. teachers are cool. I know. He was the best. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. Butcher. He retired like a year yeah. or two ago. Yeah. Aww. Loved him. Aww. Uh, Nina, what's your epic line? Okay. So I had several that you guys had, but I'm not going to mention them. I had others. Yeah. This is a great, great line movie. But um, I don't know if I have a winner out of these two. So I'm just going to bounce them off. Um, first line, it always makes me chuckle because it's so like dancing the line of what's okay in the 60s to say, but it's all about the delivery. 
It's uh, when Marion is leaving the hotel and she's saying goodbye to Sam. Don't miss your plane. Hey, we can leave together, can't we? <clears throat> I'm late and uh, you have to put your shoes on. It's like clearly he has yeah. no pants on, but it's like oh. you put your shoes on. <laughs> Love that. Love it. And then of course, such an iconic line that comes to mind every single time anything psych goes on. It's when Marion is learning more about uh Norman and how depraved and lonely mm -hmm. he really is. Do you go out with friends? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Mm. <laughs> So classic. So classic. Yeah. I have another line. Can I say it? <laughs> yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's when they're waiting for a detective to call. And they're like, oh, when can we go already? Sometimes Saturday night has a lonely sound. Ever notice that, Lila? Yes. What a great line. Right. Such a beautiful line. So it. So it, true. Exactly. As it was playing on the screen in front of me with my subtitles on, which I never have subtitles on when I'm watching a movie while I we're recording. I always do. I, don't, I always whoa. have subtitles, you crazy person. While we're recording, I don't because I just want to look at it. I don't want to be distracted by the words, but I never turn gotcha. them off okay. from watching um, the movie. Gotcha. Clearly, I do too because I never turn them off. And I saw, I read that and we'd already done Epic Lines and I was like, oh, that's good. And so I actually around it just now to go find it again because it's There's so good. There's so many good lines in this movie. I wrote down so many more and I, yeah, I was like, this is going to go crazy. So I'm just going to limit myself, but it was hard to narrow it down. Beautiful. It lines was really hard. Like really human um, moments. Yeah. Your line, Jamie, about the, the traps that they fall into, that was going to be my winner. Cause I just love that. And it's, it's so true to the human condition. It really is. It yes. really is. It's like wrenching, you know, it really yeah. is because it's like, oh man, that's, yeah. that's human. That's human. Like, all right. You... <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I've always kind of related to Norman in some way. Cause like, you can't pick your family, like not really, you, you know, the people you're born with or they mold you in such a way. So yeah, it sucks. Yeah. yeah. Nina, what's your overall movie rating on this one? So I don't like to give out tens, even though this to me, there's very few movies that I would consider a perfect movie. I think this is a perfect movie. Even though it is a 10, I would probably give it a 9. I love this movie, and I think it continues to inspire people. Like Brian De Palma, it clearly influenced him and in his cinematography, and Big he's time. one of my favorite directors. Oh, so I love him. Um, yeah, I think that this movie is going, like, it continues to inspire people, and uh it's one of my favorites. I never get tired of it. Definitely a masterpiece for sure, as we yeah. talked about. Definitely. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. So now it's time for shout outs. We must shout out our Patreons, John, Alex, Mike, and Bill. And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> woo, woo. Oh, guys, I know you saw this movie and I want to know how you feel about it. Same thing with Artist Clark. What are you, an artist or something? These are rather good. They're very good, actually. Clark, darling, how do you feel about Psycho? I haven't talked about this movie with any of these people before. Same. Oh, crazy. I know, right? Like I said, it's, it's before, I did, before I did my homework, it was not my favorite thing ever. Like, I, it wasn't even, like, on my radar, really. It's like, yeah, it's a great movie, and it's influenced a lot of my favorite movies. But until last week, it wasn't that big of a deal. 
for me personally. Why do you have a newfound appreciation for it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I do too. That's what doing homework would do for you. And that's also what reading the book will do for you. Because I, I thoroughly mm-hmm. believe if I hadn't, I read the book before I did my homework. I thoroughly mm-hmm. believe if I hadn't read the book again, I wouldn't have so much appreciation for this movie right now. Yeah. Speaking of books, author <laughs> David O'Hanlon. What's that book about? Oh, this is something special. I wonder if David's ever been inspired by Psycho or Richard Block. Mm. And listeners, what do you think of Psycho? Have you read the book? Do you like the movie? Do you like the remake? What's your favorite sequel? Tell us everything. All, yeah. all of the things. Nina, have you seen any of the sequels? Oh, yes. I wasn't sure about four, but I looked it up on IMDb while you were talking about it, and I have seen it. Um, I don't remember much about it, but I do remember seeing it. So I've I've seen them all. I like them all. So. What about Bates Motel? Just... Not the show, but the movie. Oh, I don't think I've seen the movie. It was 1987, 88. A made-for-TV movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I haven't seen that. It was before Psycho 4. It was called Bates Motel. Norman... Anthony Perkins is not in it. He, the character is, spoiler alert, the character of Norman has died. It's kind of how Mm. they open it, right? Yeah. Is it streaming anywhere? I think it's on YouTube. Okay. Okay. It's on YouTube. I'll have to check it out. It used to be on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it still is. Um, It's not bad. I mean, people hate it. People hate on it. I really kind of like it. I do. I mean, people hate on three, too, and I love three. I love three. I, lo- I love all the sequels, honestly. The ones oh. I've seen, I like them. And the thoughts on remake? Well, I recently rewatched that movie, and uh, I can hear the non-enthusiastic tone in your voice. Well, here's the thing. Um, I understand it's a classic film, and you're scared to change anything. But if you're gonna do a remake, change it. Make it your own. Stop trying to mimic it. Like, it's literally, they took the script. They didn't change a thing. Mm -hmm. I watched it. I watched the original, and then I watched the remake back-to-back. It's the same fucking script. They didn't change a single thing other than changing the dollar amount because Mm -hmm. inflation. Yeah. So it's like, have the balls to do something different. Like, literally, the shots are the same. They try to add some subliminal shit in there, too, which is infuriating, but it's the 90s, whatever. I think Vince Vaughn is good. I think Julianne Moore was great. Uh, William Mm -hmm. H. Macy did a good job. Yeah, great actors, but, but yeah. yeah, great actors. They they tried to make it their own, but there's only so much you can do. I find it insulting that they didn't change it and make it their own. So I don't like it. See, I, we talked about this earlier. I like it because they didn't change it. I talked about this earlier. I wish they had um, recast Norman as how they described him in the book, because that would have changed it. That would have changed it. Same same script, yeah. different feel. Different feel if you've cast somebody short and slightly overweight and older and not so, yeah. not so damn handsome. I think it's very easy to want to make evil people look ugly. Mm-hmm. It's scarier if the, if the evil people are pretty, in my opinion. I don't think they were describing... They didn't even really describe them as ugly so much, just average. Just overweight and old, oh. yeah. Not, I mean, they, I would consider Vince Vaughn average. Yeah, they didn't say he was like obese or anything like that. Oh, okay. He was just short and fat, or, and definitely not skinny like like Anthony. And, Anthony, yeah. And he has glasses. So oh, okay. and older, he was in his forties. So casting the casting Norman as 
that, even if you kept the same script, would change the entire feel of the movie. And I would love that. I just I just wish they had tried something different. Like if you want to do a shot for shot, then just watch the original. And I don't care if you don't like old movies. This is a fucking classic. Fucking go watch it because I that's like a big pet peeve of mine. People are like, oh, that was made before I was born. It's on film for a reason. Go fucking watch it. Like don't people don't watch old movies. Um well, I don't have time for about, people like that. Robert England talked about this um, when people were bashing remakes. And he's like, you know what? I I did a version of The Phantom of the Opera. It's it's, yeah. a, it's gazillion three make. It's my favorite version, honestly. And that those people who saw that movie did not see any of the originals or previous Phantom of the Operas. So it's a remake for each generation. So I'm fine with that. And I love and there's shot. Yeah, but they did something different with that. Yeah. They made it their own. Yeah, a a little bit. But um, I've seen other versions that were kind of similar to that one as well. But no, I like the shot for shot remake of it all. There's a few other movies that that I liked. I'm with you on this one, Nina. I don't like shot for shot remakes. I just don't. Um, you know, like for example, another example that's really good for me is um, Funny Games. The remake yeah. with American actors that I love, Naomi Watts and Tim Roth. I'm like, fuck me, I mm. love them. Uh, you know, yeah. and it was it was good. They did good, but it's the same exact movie. It's the same director in that one too, which is it's oh, just weird right. to me. Because it's like, it's a German film originally, and then they do like an American version of it, but it is shot for shot. The costuming is the same. Like, it is the same movie. And even though I love the actors who are in that version, I'm like, I I just would have liked to see it a little different because I've already seen, you know, I've already seen this one. Exactly. Yeah. I I do prefer remakes that um, pay homage maybe to the original. Absolutely. Okay. But like bring their own flavor or mm-hmm. ideas to it mm-hmm. yeah so i i was i'm yeah. not a fan of the i'm not a fan of the psycho remake just for that reason yeah again I if, like, it, if it stood oh, by itself sorry. maybe but yeah it doesn't exactly i think Another... it's a lot more courageous to stand on your own and mm-hmm. i don't mind remakes i love remakes and a lot of them like There's suspiria like. have introduced me to classics like the original so it's mm, like yeah i'm fine with them but don't recreate it just to make the same thing. We've already had that. Do something else. Another shot for shot remake that I love and maybe I'm biased because my personal connection. But 1995's Piranha, 100% yeah. the same I'm... with the exception of technology and cars. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Piranha. Again, but Ow. our Billy, our Billy's in the 95 version. So new actors, same script. It's, it's the same. Yeah. They even use the same piranhas. Like, they used stock footage from the original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In this, so they even use the same piranhas. The script's yep. the same. Everything's the same. I love it. I love it. But again, our Billy's in it. So, and even, but even the line readings, this, the script is the same. The readings are different. See, that's yeah. the thing with the Psycho remake. It's not different. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Like, it other is. than, like, the people I mentioned, like, it's the same. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's why I want a new actor. I want a different Norman. I want Norman to be look different to change it a little bit. Okay, be interesting. Okay, so recent watches. But this is life. This isn't a movie. Sure, it is, Sid. It's all, it's all a movie. It's all one great big movie. 
to genre. Oh god. Okay, let me pull up my list here. <laughs> See, I didn't watch a damn thing. I watched zero because I was focusing on reading this book every day after work instead of watching yeah. anything. And I was like, I I was on a time crunch, so I had to get this done. So I didn't watch anything. So this is all you guys. I have quite a list, but I'll go through it quick. I watched Bay of Blood because I love me some Jalos, and I'm like, yay, let's do this thing again for the like hundredth time. Why not? Um, so I liked that, enjoyed that as I always do. I watched Stephen King and Necessary Evil, which is a documentary about Mr. King. Um, I think it's fairly new. I'm trying to remember if I saw it on Tubi, maybe. Um, but because I watched a documentary about Stephen King, I, of course, had to watch a Stephen King movie. And so um, David and I watched Pet Cemetery because it's been a while. Mm. So I was like, oh, we got to watch that one. Always enjoy that one, too. Also watched, now these were just movies that I think kind of came on to be picked them for me. I just <laughs> let it go, right? <laughs> so uh, the ones that, the two that it picked for me, there was Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. It's like a, I think it was like a six. That's a good one. It was fun. I really liked it. And then um, the one that it played right after that was the Tales from the Crypt movie. Which one? With our, um, with our great all through the house or all through the night. Oh, the Christmas classic. One. The classic. Yeah. The classic. So Tubi just picked that one to come on after Dr. Terror. And I'm like, oh, hey, this is Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, let's watch this one. And then um, last night, just because we were looking for something good to watch, and this is a 10 movie for me, and I fucking love it, um, was Raising Arizona. <laughs> I remember that one. Uh, this is like, to me, that's like one of Nick Cage's best like roles. I think he's great in it. The whole cast is amazing. It's hilarious. It's so good. It's still so good. So that was probably my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Really hard to say because I love so many of them, but. Yeah, for a long time I said that's my favorite one. And I, I after rewatching it again, I kind of stand there. <laughs> um, I really didn't get to watch a whole lot. I've been really busy with work and dealing with some other personal things. But um, I did start my Halloween binge because it's spooky season right now when yeah. we're recording. So I, I uh, watched the original Halloween. It's really hard to watch for me now. Yeah, he used Why? to be my favorite and now he's not. Are you just burnt out or? I think I'm burnt out. And I it think uh, within the past, you know, few years, I've just been like meh on Michael. Mm -hmm. But uh, I did find something that I hadn't noticed before, which is fun because, you know, you watch it with different people and you notice things that they noticed and you didn't. You guys probably know it, but it's mm -hmm. when it's at the very beginning when Loomis is at the sanitarium or whatever. And Michael's on top of the car and he breaks the window. When you when he breaks the window, there's a wrench on the stunt man's hand. And you actually see the wrench when he breaks the window. That's how they break the window. I don't think but I you can saw see that. it for like a half a second. I don't I think have I to watch that. for that. Yeah. Rewatch it. I, I never seen that before. And I've I've seen this fucking movie since I was like nine years old almost every year for Halloween and I never noticed that before. I think so. that if we did notice that, Jamie, when we recorded that with Billy, we would have mentioned that. Yeah, I don't think I've noticed it. I don't know if like future versions have like edited it out, but I have it on Blu-ray, so Right. I'm gonna watch for go. that next time. Yep. It's right at the beginning, so you don't have to watch the whole thing. Perfect. Um <laughs> Last night, I also uh, was fortunate enough to, because um, the Alamo Draft House here in Chicago, they are doing a Kubrick month. Mm. 
I was trying to at least go see one of them and mm -hmm. almost all of them were sold out except one and it was Clockwork Orange. Nice. So I saw Clockwork Orange last night. That's why I was up till two in the morning because I didn't get home to like 1.30. Yeah, it was great to see in theaters and there were some people that were sitting behind us that came dressed with the cod piece and everything, but there was a <sighs> chick that came and instead of the cod piece, she wore like a lace thong over her pants and it was, it was mwah. I yeah. love her. <laughs> love yeah. the Alma Draft House. <laughs> going, going there to see subspecies was awesome. It was a great little place. Amazing. That's so awesome. Amazing. Okay. So I think that wraps Psycho, right? I'm done. I think Are you so. Guys done? You ladies done? Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. I think so. Okay. Well, until next time, I'm Summer. I'm Jamie. And you've been listening to the Psychotic Dolls of Horror. We will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This has been a presentation of the Dolls of Horror. New episodes are uploaded every week. If you'd like to reach out and say hello to the dolls or offer any movie suggestions, feel free to send them an email at thedollsofhorror at yahoo.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram, both at the Dolls of Horror or on Twitter at Dolls of Horror for bonus content. If you really like the podcast and want to help out financially so that the dolls can keep making episodes, consider sending them a donation. Follow the link in the description or go to patreon.com slash the dolls of horror for more information. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi guys, spooky season is almost upon us. Yay, I've been counting down since like January. I've been counting down since November 1st. I think so too. <laughs> so we are going to announce our picks for 2023's spooky season. I'm so excited. You gave me a hint, not a hint, but, but you just told me that you had three that you weren't sure on. So I'm so excited to hear which one you picked. Yeah, yeah. It's like really between two that I'm like, ooh, because they're kind of different. I was trying to think a little outside the box, too. Well, I say go different. But first, we must say we have a Friday the 13th in October this year, which is so exciting. You don't get those every year. Like, that's pretty great. It's like super exciting. It's <laughs> Double awesome. spooky. <laughs> it's the best. Two of my favorite holidays in one month. Excuse me. Yes, oh please. So we are going to be continuing our Friday the 13th franchise with Friday Part 5. Very excited for that. I'm so excited for that. And as always, we will be continuing our Halloween franchise where we left off with Part 6. So that's going to be our Halloween finale. That's going to come at the end of October. It's our last spooky season episode. Uh, I'm excited about that one too. That's going to be really fun. <laughs> I am so excited about Halloween 6. I've said it a Me million too. times. That was the first horror movie I got to see in a theater. Aww. Yeah, I'm ex it's going to be really fun to talk about this one. So it's such a special place in my heart for that. I've been waiting so long for this because I have that theatrical connection to it. And we got Paul Rudd. We got baby Paul Rudd. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that one's going to be great. So that leaves us two picks one each for the rest of spooky season so jamie yes what you got okay so ugh. okay so there's two that i'm really really stuck between one of them i'm like i don't know because it's 
brand new. Like, I mean, brand new and very appropriate. And it has people we love, but it's very, very, very new. We don't usually do movies that are brand, brand new. Right. Where is but, it available? Is it is it readily available on streaming? Oh, yeah. it's You can rent it. You have to rent it because okay. it just came out. Um, it just came out like last week or something. Oh my goodness. Um, but you can rent it on Amazon, I think. You can think I saw it on YouTube. Like mm-hmm. there's lots of places where it's available to rent. And that movie is, and I'm going to say my other one too, but that mm-hmm. movie is Natty Knox. It's got Robert England. Mm-hmm. It's got Bill Mosley. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm trying to remember if Danielle Harris is the leading or like the screen queen in it. Okay. Just came out, just came out. And it's a very Halloween centric movie. So there's that. But I, what I really think I want us to watch is The Guest. It's more of a thriller. Um, it really is. But it's based around Halloween. Um, there's a lot of inspiration from John Carpenter's Halloween. I was just reading about it a little bit. There's some fun little Halloween things peppered in there. Um, I think it's a blast of a movie. Fun faces in there. And I like love it. But again, it's more of like, it's kind of like a thriller action kind of thing. But I love it. It's a little different. So see, this is my dilemma. These are the two that I'm stuck between. One that's brand spanking new, and then one that's not a traditional horror movie per se. Can I put in my vote? Yeah. Can we do the new one? Just because I remember hearing about this. I think Bill has told me about this for a long time now. So I think it would be fun to to cover the brand spanking new one. I'm really excited to hear that um, because it looks really cool. Uh, there's been a lot of buzz for this for a while. I've been hearing about it for a bit. And when I saw that it just came out and was available, again, we have to rent it. But, right. you know, hey, it's got like lots of people in it that we love. So happy to happy to rent it. I vote for that one, if that's all right. That sounds perfect to me. I'm so okay. stoked. Natty Knox. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Okay, so another reason why I voted for that one is because the description on mine is kind of a thriller. Ooh, okay. So I was worried the other one, I haven't seen it, but I was worried the other one might be a little too similar to, to mine. Okay. Okay, so this is actually a recommendation from Clark. Yay! Our, our Clark doll always gives us good recommendations. Nina has also seen this movie, and that is 2015's Pay the Ghost with Nicolas Cage. Oh, I've never seen that one, but I definitely have, like, I've heard of it. I've seen a poster for it or something. If I've never actually heard of it, but the description is one year after his young son disappeared during a Halloween carnival, Mike, played by Nicolas Cage, will stop at nothing to unravel the mystery and find his son. I'm like, ooh, mystery. You had me at mystery. I like it. Yeah. Can I read you the description on my backup in case by some weird chance you did pick that one? Okay. Okay. My backup was called Halloween Party. It was from 2020. It was on Tubi. A seemingly innocent Halloween meme awakens tortured souls inside a college dorm that once served as a hospice for dying disfigured children oh my god um i love it we 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 have to watch this like next spooky season perhaps because that sounds awesome i'm definitely going to watch it on my own for my i am too enjoyment the yeah you had me at meme i know So that was my backup in case you had pay the ghost, but I didn't think that you would. So this is awesome. Okay. 
Natty Knox, Pay the Ghost, Friday the 13th, not in these orders, and then finishing with Halloween 6 this year. That's cursed, uh, right? The Curse of Michael Myers? Yes. Oh, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers! My first horror movie in the theater. I'm going to have all the feels on this one. Aw, I'm excited. All the feels. All right, guys, there you have it. Have you seen these movies? What you think? Can't wait to hear. Bye. Bye.